Today is Wednesday, March 29th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. Oh my goodness, we have a long one today, but it's good. It's actually really good. I wish uh, I I probably should make more than one episode about this, but you know, I'm not going to do that. So skip around. Don't skip around. Listen to the whole thing. Okay, so if you are not big onto hearing me uh, do a political rant, there may be a couple minutes that you'll just need to skip a couple minutes here and there. But um, I try not to keep it about that. Um, some things just bug me, though. So, we talk about, um, well, <laughs> a couple minutes of political stuff you may want to skip. And then we revisit yesterday, and the slavery was always voluntarily, um, even with the title of slave. Uh, turns out, not not to brag, but um, I was right. So, I mean, I mean, it wasn't hard, right? Like, if you're told you can buy people as property and they're your slaves, it's not a stretch to think that it was not 100% always free will voluntary. So, I mean, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm doing something undiscovered here. So, anyways, uh, that is correct. I, I talked uh, to one of my rabbinical scholar friends and also, you know, did, did way more research than I should have had to do. Um, but, yeah, turns out that's how the people actually did it. Um, it's a little more nuanced, as you will hear, but uh, Nate wasn't wrong. All right, the Trans Day of Vengeance um, coming out uh, because, you know, I guess certain people in the community feel uh, that they are being accosted by certain people of faith or just, you know, secular atheists who also have a problem with some of the antics these groups, not all the people, but some of the groups affiliated do. Um, So because they use words and write op-eds that aren't totally pro uh, the trans community and everything, sports, academia, whatever, etc. Um, the trans day of violent, of vengeance is the response. So it's like, you say bad things about me, we will encourage people to do harmful actions against you. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, I'm also not, not super cool with how Twitter seems to be suspending people. Well, you'll hear about it. Anyways, so I, I hope Musk is better than this. Um, we'll see. All right. Um... Military are the is the military laxing standards? Are they better today than they ever been, or is it just a PR problem? We're going to talk about that. Then we have our guest Rick Real, who's an active military. Um, I I forget if he tells his title or his job or whatever. I don't know how specific he is, but if he says it, you'll hear it. But um, he has firsthand knowledge of this. Uh, he's currently right now. I think he was like driving uh, to base or to his work or whatever. So he gives us a lot of extensive insight into the military, the shape, the readiness. You know, all, all kinds of stuff about that. So if military is your thing, um, it will be broken up at some point by our insane resident uh, heathen Bob. But then he goes away and uh, Rick continues. Um, let's see. And then, then we have an interesting take. Uh, Brian, another guest, talks about the differences of eschatology and what happens after that in the new heaven and the new earth. Are Christians going to be floating around in, in space heaven with God? Or are we going to be inhabiting this earth, like recreated or whatever? So uh, that's good. And then how do you know you're a Christian? Like whenever people say, you know, I, I'm a Christian, I believe I'm saved. And someone says, do you know that? And they're like, well, I, I think so. I, I guess, you know, God will judge me. That's like, that's like the wrong answer for a Christian. A reasonable person would walk them through it. And, you know, like I think we do at the very end of this um, and not be too judgy. Um, but Christians are really good at being judgy. So th- that's like the wrong answer to, to say to a Christian, like you're supposed to give the good Christian answer that's like, I know that I know that I know that I'm saved and going to heaven when I die. Um, but for people who either have a language barrier or are new to it, it's totally understandable 
that you know or they're like well I don't how would I know that I, I have faith does that does that count I don't know that anyway so we talk about that a while and help our guest friend Evelyn through uh, some of these issues so stay tuned this is a really long but good podcast I didn't want to pull my hair out so much today even though I don't have much to pull out uh, check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon and get more insight as to what we do and why we do it and check out the Ask a Christian store also in the link description and uh, it turns out those link descriptions are hard to find. So, like, if you're on, like, is it Spotify? Like, the links come up easy. Uh, some of the others I was clicking through, like, if you click on description, it doesn't always show up. So, you may have to do a little work. Sorry. Um, God will appreciate you. Anyways, you can get some uh, shirts, t-shirts, hats, blah, 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 with a giant cross that says, I've got answers. So, you can foster civil discussions about Christianity with all the people who will stop you, wondering why you're putting yourself in that spotlight. And you can also just click on one of the links above at the very first link to donate to this podcast and support what we do, taking the gospel to the people of the internet. Anyways, have fun, have an awesome Wednesday, and enjoy this discussion. Take care. Yeah, except for, you know, today, they're like, Daddy, what do we do if crazy people break into our school and shoot us? I'm like, oh, well, I mean, we've had that conversation before. And, you know, I, I give my words of wisdom. I'm not gonna divulge my Wait, strategies. I do want to know but, uh, what your answer was to that, though. I'm not gonna be specific, um, because I, I don't know why. It just seems like I should be shady about this. But um, you know, everyone has like their plan, right? Like everyone, like the teachers, the schools, the school boards, the districts, they all have like their plan, right? And it generally goes something like, "Be the least noticeable sitting ducks." So it's like uh, all the all the teachers will gather their kids. You know, if there's an alarm or shots or something. You know, all, all the doors lock automatically from the outside, um, so so they, they automatically lock. So the only way to get in is if it's planned or someone's really dumb or there's a broken door or something like that. So by default, all the doors should be locked already from the outside. Um, so then it's like basically they huddle everyone together in like the corner, you know, by the door, but further down so no one can can see them. And if there were like a gunman running through the halls or whatever and broke into a room or whatever, they would, you know, presumably pound on whatever door they wanted to get in um, until they got in one. So at that point, it's like if you have 20 classes and they're all huddling in, it's like, well, whichever class doesn't get the door kicked in eventually, um, I guess they're the ones that make it. My advice, uh, and, and, you know, I don't want to, conf um, let's see, I don't want to go against what the district says, but um, I'm trying to teach them critical thinking, right? So more than more than, hey, always do this. Because, you know, if they were, let's say, in a different class or PE or a different class in a different part of the campus and something happened, if I were to say, hey, look, I don't care what the teacher says, always do this or always run to this parking, parking lot where the buses pick you up, um, because that's typically the closest to where their main class is. But then if they're on the other side of the campus, if something like that happened, um, if that's what they thought, that would be incredibly dangerous because they'd be trying to navigate all the way across a dangerous shooting campus to get to the parking lot I told them to go to. So I don't want to I don't want to give absolutes like that because when we make absolutes, bad things happen. So I'm trying to just like help them think critically about it, like how you know how I was trained in my security uh, background. So anyway, that's uh, that's kind of the, well, the way, right? So it's like right. So like if they're all there and then the teacher was like gathering the kids and like okay let's walk all the way back across campus to our classroom and follow the procedure um that would be where i would hope my kid would be like no that's dangerous that's walking into fire i'm just gonna go hide behind this you know dumpster um next to the next to the outskirts of the property um you know because they're right there 
versus following the plan, which would lead them right through the path of danger on their way. So, you know, there's, I mean, there's no way to structure that. You just have to teach critical thinking skills and hope that they have the presence of mind to realize all this stuff if and if it happens. While we're on the subject really fast, I hate inaccuracies. And good news, Chris, no one has to apologize to Tippy. So I need to let her know with the love of Christ that uh, she wronged. Um, it was slavery wasn't I'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, so anyways, since we're talking about this, I did hear our, uh, if you don't want politics, just mute for the next two minutes, and then we'll be back to normal. Um, but I heard our dear leader talking about this. And the first thing he said was, you know, get rid of all assault weapons, blah, blah, blah. And then he went on this tirade, I promise two minutes or less. So uh, and then he's like, you can't even have you know, weapons of war. We need to get rid of these, these blah, blah, blah. He's like, you can't even have certain things. You can't have flamethrowers. You can't have full automatic machine guns, blah, 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 blah. I hate inaccuracies. Yes, you can. They're called class three counties and class three states. There's a handful of them. Colorado used to be one. I wouldn't be surprised if it's not now, but like Texas, Louisiana, Nevada, you can absolutely get a license. It's incredibly expensive and difficult, but you can own legit full automatic, not like when people say automatic and it's semi, like pull the trigger. You can own these in America, class three counties, class three states and flamethrowers. Exactly what you think. Flamethrowers, silencers, like percussive explosives. You can own these. Anyway, I just had to get that out somewhere and I thought who better than you people. So you should not speak from ignorance. If you are so ignorant, um, especially our our leader, um, you know, our dear leader, it kills me when he says things that are just so inaccurate. It hurts. Okay, I'm done. What, Steph? There's also the option of the Boring Company, not a flamethrower. Uh, not a flamethrower. Have you seen this? One of my landlords has one. Apparently. Okay, Elon Musk made a company called the Boring Company. And then he wanted to make, I don't know what his intention with it was, but the most famous thing that they put out was this product called Not a Flamethrower because they were developing <laughs> a flamethrower that people could buy. And then... Everyone was like, no, you can't do that because there aren't any states where flamethrowers are legal. So then they used all their science power to measure exactly how far uh, something had to throw a flame to be considered a flamethrower. And then they designed this to throw it like an inch shy. So That is awesome. Thank you for that, everyone. Uh, I mean, I want to say the official position of the Ask a Christian Room is not to skirt the law or find loopholes, but that's awesome, Steph. <laughs> um, okay, so let's see, where were we? Um, well, yeah, I, yeah. What were you saying about uh, the school shooting thing stuff? I think I, I, you were saying I, I something. Just wanted, oh, before I just wanted to roll, I was just going to say, Nate, that I was really interested in your take because you had a history in law enforcement. So I wanted to hear what you told your kids. So thank you. Sorry, roll. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I just wanted to give a shout out to Nashville PD because they acted so quickly. They didn't sit in the parking lot and strategize forever while shooting were happening. They actually went in quickly so i i just think they should be commended my god yeah what were your uh, thoughts on the body cam footage nate uh yeah i watched all of it i I mean uh presumably all it was up until the point where you know the person who decided to live by the metaphorical sword died by the metaphorical sword so i watched all of that and again the ask a christian position is do not be joyful um (laughs) when the when the i don't know wicked parish i mean i guess old testament or an observant Jew, that that would be, they would rejoice when the wicked are punished. Um, I think, you know, Christians should maybe be regretful about the loss of a human life, but, um, you know, there are consequences. So live by the sword, get freaking owned by the sword. Um, so I, I watched it up into completion. And yeah, I thought, I thought that was excellent. 
um, from the security background too. Yeah, I saw two two vantage points, like two body cams um, from different. One was coming up one stairs, and the other anyway. But I, I mean, that, that's like pretty textbook. It was great. Like, yeah, they they followed all the procedures and everything. And um, yeah, the moral of the story is don't shoot up schools. Well, that's what I'm hearing is that I have no experience in this whatsoever, but I'm hearing that these guys just absolutely like flawlessly executed uh, the, what exactly they knew exactly what to do and they did it perfectly in that situation. I have not watched, I've watched a little bit of the footage, but as soon as you see the person, I, I don't, I'm sure they're not going to show it on TV, but I don't want to see that. I can't, I can't watch any of it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's too tough. It's too yeah, it's TV pretty they... disturbing, right? Because they're like, you're watching body cams on a police officer and they're running by billboards talking about the school play and pictures of Dr. Seuss. And it, it's like the whole thing is horrific. And then when they finally cornered her, I just, boop, I turned it off. But I'm hearing they're getting a lot of praise. Well, and also the Uvalde police are taking it on the chin and they're trying to, to justify their actions. Whereas what I didn't know from reading the stories about this particular incident was that the Uvalde police actually tackled parents that were armed attempting to go in and take out the shooter at Uvalde and stopped them from doing so until one guy finally got through with a shotgun and ended the incident. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, there is no justification for Wait, Uvalde. you're saying that a, parent, is... a parent ended the incident, Chris? No, yes. in the last... Wait, not this one. This was the one where... Not in this one. In in Uvalde, a parent ended the incident. Yeah, he was an off-duty border patrol that was getting his hair cut, and he borrowed a shotgun from his barber and went in and shot the guy. He ran class police without even having a conversation with them because they had already tackled and detained multiple other armed people trying to stop the incident. So all of those police officers should be put on trial, every one of them, for murder. But that yeah, guy, I mean, at, at, Barber, they should be. There's an award for that Some. Yeah, I mean, in the, let's see, what what is it Michael always says when he's trying to be generous in his most, um, how does he word that? In his most, like, generous, um, ah, I'm missing the word. Anyway, whatever Michael says, in his most, like, generous, um, Oh, charitable account. Charitable. Yes. Oh, goodness. In his most charitable way of looking at that, um, the Uvalde police had good intentions. They were just utterly and miserably failed in all their training or lack thereof. And it was a complete uh, debacle, even though there was good intentions at the most uncharitable. um, It came from up from on top and there were orders for other like political slash nefarious reasons um, for power, capital position. It was close to the border. So, you know, you can get into some non-charitable views, too. But in, in either case, that was a disaster, and they all suck. Um, oh, Chris, I mean, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, the, I'm going to be least less charitable, and I probably won't say what I really think right now, but, yeah. Oh, there's so much that everyone's not saying what they really think right now. <laughs> um, but, uh, okay, so, t- uh, Tippy, yeah, I did go back to my... I, I forget the title. This is Gentile talking. But my... Rabbi, whatever is like levels above a rabbi, I don't know if it's the same or lateral, but he's like a rabbi, orthodox, but he's also in addition like some like textual scholar or Talmudic scholar. Anyways, I, I don't really know the title, but he, he is basically the Jewish version of you, Chris. Like he pours over dusty tomes 
except he does this like for a living and you know like his professional life anyway so um that, he's my go-to i met him a long time ago so he like lives in israel and everything um good guy gav and i talked to him yesterday i'm like hey man tell me if i'm crazy or not i'm like what I, i'm like you know there's this person that was adamant that slavery always was willingly and i'm like that just cannot be and then i went through i'm like well look even if you anyway so he's like no not really so it wasn't as dire as i thought um it wasn't just like hey yeah you can totally go buy people against their will and well that's their life um that part is true to a point so it's a little less bad than what i was thinking but uh yeah he's like well we are obligated to give them a choice to convert um and if they want to convert then we have to let them go free and convert. Um, otherwise, there there was something like you know they at at another point um, if they even if they don't convert, you have to let them go free uh, go free for for some other reason. I don't remember if that was a prisoner of war. But the long the short answer is no. Uh, you could definitely buy people against their will. Um, so yeah, no no apology is in order. I, those those who said that you know the word slave implied against their will, turns out we were right. Um, even if temporarily. So he's like, yeah, you could buy someone even if it was like ill-gotten or blah, 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 or some other Gentile heathen bought them against their will. He's like, yes, you could, you could buy them, but they would, you couldn't offer them a choice to convert until they were in your possession. So no matter how long or how brief, uh, technically you would buy someone against their will. And then as far as the uh, prisoners of war, that was Leviticus 25. And then as far as the prisoners of war go, um, He's like, yes, even these prisoners who like, you know, hate our guts and just fought a war against us, uh, we would be obligated uh, at a point to offer them to convert. And if they wanted to, then they would convert. Um, and then there was some other thing that, that said, I, I remember, I forget this, but it was like, basically, there was some sort of circumstance that at a certain point, even if they didn't want to convert, there was some kind of provision that they would just turn them loose anyway. And be like, okay, well, you are our slave, you are our prisoner, you don't want to convert, but you can go free. I, I don't know what that provision was, but that's that's getting a little too deep into this. But anyway, so that's that's what I've learned, everyone. Yay. Marvelous work, everybody. Chris, I have a question for you. All right, my question, since you also are the Christian version of this guy who likes old dusty tomes, um, have you read first and second Esdras? And if so, um, is it just like a validation of authorship? That would be a reason you would see them not being canon in everyone's Bible, because when you just read them, I mean, this is supposed to be like Old Testament, like way before Jesus, like the way it reads, it makes a very compelling case for Christianity, um, even way before Jesus. So, yes, digest that. So, first Ezra um, is definitely from an earlier time. Second Ezra is definitely from a much later time and is a forgery. So, that's the first thing is you got to you know, take those because they, they were added to you later on from what I understand about them. But it's been a while since I've read them, like myself, probably 20 years or so. I don't know. I'll go back and read them and I'll give you more information. Yeah, I think it's really first Ezra that I, I was like, huh, this is like, wow, if this is like legit, then um, 
people should push that more because, I mean, that's like Old Testament way before Jesus, like reading almost like a New Testament talking about Jesus. So I'm like, well, if this is way before Jesus, then there you go. Unless it's just not able to be authenticated because, you know, the people who put the Christian Bible together seem to care about that. Um, instead of just taking something that supports their cause and throwing it in there and being like, look, see, this this is really old and it supports our cause, um, you know, regardless of authentic, authentication. Yeah, I mean, that's that's how careful they were in putting together the canon, you know, like. We don't get the canon by mistake. And again, the canon was not declared. The canon was discovered. And so when the people that were putting together the canon for publication to all Christians were going through it, you know, they had very strict things that they would go by. Um, you know, plus they wanted to make sure, like, is this really inspired by God? And how do we figure that out? And they used a set of strictures that were very, very good. And I think they still stand up. And the canon that we have today, the 66 books that we have today, has been the same for largely 2,000 years. Oh, okay, Nate left. It's Queen Steph now. Ah. Yeah, I don't know about Ezra's, but it's usually like the, the canonization criteria were so strict, right? It's like they have to look at where the document was found, whether the original document could be authenticated as original, and then they look at things down to like, you know, not just dating the paper and the materials, they look at the actual verbiage, like the vernacular, is this appropriate for the time that it was in? And then also things can't contradict. So if there was a, a text that, for example, contradicted a historical event from Babylonian writings that we knew to be reliable, then they would discard the text, even if it did agree with the rest of the Bible, because it had a historical inaccuracy. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of writing out there, but making it, as you said, discovering the canon, they had to be pretty, uh, pretty strict about what they were considering to be truthful. I'm back, by the way. Oh, hey, so another uh, topic. Let's see. One more, one more hot topic, and then I'm out of ideas, and you guys have to take over. I'm running water. Is that loud, or is that okay? Is that too You're good. Uh, we don't even hear it. Okay. Oh, wonderful. That's so crazy how, like, microphones mute out certain frequencies. So, like, did I tell you that before? Like, I'll have a friend who, like, does heavy machinery, and he'll be, like, using freaking, like, metal saws and everything, and it's just, like, a low hum. And then he'll be, like, you know, like, um, I don't know, sanding something with, like, hand sandpaper. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is that? He's like, this bothers you, but that didn't. So it's the way it filters out frequencies are weird. So you, you mentioned uh, – musk a bit ago you know I, I had high hopes for twitter um it seems like that's not the case though like i don't know really the deal it has he hasn't been public about it but like are, are you aware of like the trans day of vengeance that's supposed to be i think like this weekend or something like that or april 1st oh boy i, I had heard April's that joke. trans terrorism was trending as a tag but no due to yeah so apparently they have oh, wait, their so, so they have like their trans flag and their trans flag flyer. 
that talks about, you know, trans vengeance because, you know, people are so oppressing them that, uh, you know, with, I guess, words or speech that they need to go be violent because that makes sense. Anyway, so it's fine on Twitter to post in the affirmative for that. But there's been like several people like journalists and other people who are saying, guys, this is and, like social commentators who are like, guys, this is not so great. Look what's going on. Like, you know, you shouldn't do this. And anyone that posts that same flyer um, in the negative, like this is not good. People need to, you know, dial this rhetoric back. Those people's account accounts are getting suspended on Twitter. And these are like, you know, blue check major like journalists and stuff that now don't have access to their text or to the Twitter account because they're posting the exact same flyer. But instead of like, yes, go be violent, they're like, this is what they're doing. This is what they're circulating. Th these groups don't do this. Don't be violent. And they're getting suspended. So I don't know if Musk is just bowing down, but that's disappointing. Well, Man, there's also lag time between when Musk can deal with it and the, and the crazies that are still at Twitter are dealing with it. And so usually these things get righted within a few days because he gets wind of it. And he's like, what? And then, you know, fire some more people and kill Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of information to absorb in the Twitter world to be able to manage and maintain and address and so on and so forth. Um, but I, I didn't, I was, all I was going to say, I've I seen um, some of the uh, flyers for that on uh, Instagram earlier today. But I don't know too much about it, but, you know. We'll see where it I goes. mean, I think it is April 1st, right? So, like, is that just a troll? Or I have a feeling, like, you know, people oh, of certain it? communities have no humor and have no ability to think that way. So they probably, like, legit mean it. But, I mean, weird day to, weird day to have it. If it is also, April 1st. I thought it was April 1st. Kind of uh, not funny. We just had a shooting at the hands of a trans person. Why would you say Trans Vengeance Day? Ha ha, April Fool's. Unless it's not April Fool's. Well, if you listen to CNN, like they're blaming Christians, they're blaming Christians for, I guess, getting shot. Are they because, already? Yeah. Oh, they were doing this yesterday. Like I walked in and I'm like, oh my gosh, wife, what are you doing? She's like, I wanted to see what they're saying about it. I'm like, ah, don't watch that. Ah, in my house. Anyway. <laughs> it well, was, well, I mean, they, it's just so no. blatant. Like everything they do, like they just said something else is racist. Oh gosh. What else did they say was racist? Um, Memes. Memes are racist. Memes are white supremacist. Wait, all of them? Because they're sort all, of... All memes. Okay. No, no. All memes. Because um, because something about like the culture or something like that. Uh, so, Nate, you know, actually, it's interesting. CNN's current business model is they're actually striving to be in the middle. They're trying to be in between MSNBC and Fox. <laughs> okay. That still puts them pretty squarely left. <laughs> well, yeah, they say things like that, and then they do things like that. So it's like, well, you're saying one thing and doing the opposite. There's there's a word for that. Well, I think it also probably just depends on what time of day you're watching it too, right? The hosts are the hosts vary in, in how they approach. Much like Uvalde, there is no defense for them. Yeah, everybody went silent on like the CNN and the more liberal. I get confused with the word liberal sometimes because. The, the distinction between libertarian and being liberal in a modern sense, and I think you can mean something different. I get those words. Seth's going to set you straight. Oh, yeah. I'm talking to a libertarian pioneer lady there that makes her own pemmican. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm a, a libertarian and liberal are different, uh, vastly different. Um, libertarians tend to lean more conservatively. Oh, okay, because somebody told me because I had a conversation with somebody a few, about a year or two ago, and it's like he must be libertarian. And I'm like, I guess, okay, <laughs> you know, all my political views and stuff, but I guess. But yeah, there was um, yeah, those of the liberal persuasion. Yeah, I was I was I was checking CNN and checking all of them to see if they're saying anything about the shooting. Everybody was just hush mouth because it kind of, you know, went it went it went against the. A particular agenda, you know, that it had to be on that particular side. So, welcome, Serendipity. How is your morning going? I think we're. I don't mean for this to slowly turn into one of you guys' like conspiracy rooms, but I don't know. I guess <laughs> that's the kind of day we're having. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. <laughs> Do you have anything holy to say? I'm still just, you know wrapping my mind around this whole trans vengeance thing that yeah, we were, we talked about this all day yesterday. It's just like, what? This is like the most horrific time for you guys to be tout. And that's what's trending on Twitter right now is all things trans vengeance. What was well, the man. consensus from your rooms? I honestly, I was, I guess just because in light of the school shooting this week, I think that everybody's a little bit sensitive to it right now. I could not believe some of the stuff that they were sharing in the room that was being posted in favor of uh, the trans vengeance stuff. Like some of it was really, really, really sick. Um, yeah. The comments, um, a lot of people were really upset about it. And I don't know if you noticed the hallways in Clubhouse yesterday, but yeah, I think there's a lot of trans hate going on too. It's just another one of those things that's causing this huge social rift, you know? So I, I think some of the challenge, I'm going to try not to generalize, um, but a lot of trans people just don't have a good sense of reality. I remember a venture capitalist had us talk to a company one time that they were they do like the transgender medical transition drugs or whatever. And one of the things they said on the call was, yeah, the system is rigged against us. And I'm sitting here and thinking, like, what, the system of biology? Like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> yeah, that that tended to be the general consensus in the room yesterday was that it's a mental illness and that people who are feeding into that embrace, you know, the, the trans ideology, you're, you're feeding into their delusion um, and you're not doing anybody any favors, you know, and I have pretty regular participants in my room, like River, um, who is not your, your typical clubhouse trans on this app and it's it's a hard area to navigate but then you look and there's comments on twitter like you know there was this one comment about the holy rollers putting a target on our back we should have just stuck with jesus and left the politics alone because as you can see jesus didn't save kids from that bitch killing i mean the horrible horrible things um on twitter and it's just like oh what? yeah i don't know 
it's all just very disturbing. What's that thing? Um, I'm I'm gonna mess this up. I'm great at like wrongly remembering stuff and butchering it. Um, can someone help me? It was that the thing. Who was it? Was it a president or someone that said it? And it was like something like, um, "Hard times make strong men. Strong men make good times. Good times make weak men. Something like that." And the cycle repeats. Like right. I guarantee there would be like there would be like a zero point zero trans LGBTQIA XYZ plus plus. Um, like all these like peripheral issues that are like their identity and i i mean like any any cause like this right like people who will say like this is me this is the most important thing in the universe if we all were in north korea i guarantee they're like lgb what like no one cares what you are you're a bug like you you are identified as a bug we all are congratulations um like it's because we have these like good times that are making soft the softest of soft people like politically sensitive like not just lgbtqi plus peace people on them but like all these issues like politically um you know indoctrination like all all these like ideas like if we were in somewhere with like severely hard times nobody would be talking about this stuff we'd be we'd be talking about like the nutritional content of grass tea and can we survive so you know Right, Nate. Did you see the? Uh, or did anyone in here see the? Um, they there was a couple of videos going around that put the Russian military ads next to the American military ads from twenty twenty two. Yes. Yeah. And, and yeah. And the Russians one ones were like these, you know, eighteen to twenty two year old men that were just like in peak fitness, you know, running around doing hard things. But they were also really heartfelt. Where it was like, the one. I hate saying that I enjoyed a Russian military ad, but it was good. There yeah, was one where this, <laughs> yeah, sorry. The one with like the young man who like, he's laying in the grass with his wife and they kind of show their wedding rings and they're laying out in a field, but then he's recalling his military experience and then it looks horrible. But then he looks back at her and she smiles at him and it's like, you know, this is what we fight for. That should have been a, where was our marketing guy? That's a great ad. And then they put it right next to this American guy. Or this American one where it's like, my name is Jenny and I have two moms and the army is the place for me. And then she's talking about how she got to finish her degree in women's studies because of the army. It's like, oh, wow. Yikes. You know, that Russian ad made me, I mean, it was like the um, American military ad from when I was in high school and they were trying to recruit. And it was like, you know, had like rock music. They're like, like they're mountain climbing, they're jumping out of planes, like very like the Russian one. And that was like, you know, 20 years ago. So, yes, about 20 years ago. So, um, yeah, how we have fallen. Because, yeah, the, the Russian ad has, like, basically taken over. Uh, that That's like the American ad from 20 years ago. Well, but you and can't yeah, blame the military marketing department because they're responding to Gen Z and what Gen Z's interests are. They've studied this. So they have the ad done that way on purpose to appeal to their target audience. That is a great commentary on the state of our decay. So is it better, <laughs> is it better to appeal to the masses like these watered down churches that want to tickle people's ears and completely forsake, you know, the power of the gospel and be like, oh, the Bible says what it wants. Here's a Queen James Bible. Yep. Queen James Bible. Google that. And, and you know, they're like, God loves everyone. They're like, you know, let's have every, th every abomination that the Bible calls abomination. You know, let's go ahead and accept that. And then they wonder why attendance is dwindling. Like they're trying to be all inclusive to a fault to a, like shoot yourself in the head, metaphorically fault. 
Um, they're, they're just like going. They've lost. They've lost the plot so bad that they're so, by trying. Hang on. Hey, wait, wait. By trying to appeal to everyone and be inclusive, not only is it not getting the very people they're trying to appeal to, because they're just like, well, no, that's stupid. I don't need your god anyway. Um, it's also the ardent followers of this religion see it as the abomination it is, and they also are not being recruited. So at, at the end of the day, these churches that are like, you know, have like Unitarian rainbow flags outside. They're crickets. Like they have like gardens of serenity and gardens of meditation that like one lonely woman with like 18 cats comes and visits, not you stuff. And on their, on their services, it's dead. Like you drive by after, after a normal church, like we'll be up drive by these churches. Their parking lots are empty. I'm like, do they even have one car? So, I mean, versus these churches that are biblical and they stick to it. Um, those are the ones that are actually growing. So anyways, it's the same thing with the army. They're trying to appeal and not only are they not getting these people who are like their target audience because they're like, well, crap, I'm not going to fight. I'm going to sit here and fight on Twitter. Um, that's my battlefield versus, you know, these men that otherwise would be like, yeah, I want to jump out of helicopters, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be all tough and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, be all that you could be. They're like, well, heck, I'm not going to sign up for that. I'm sure not. So even if they got what they wanted, they're going to get a bunch of people that like cannot fight. And uh, anyway, so, so they're shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, CEO, go ahead. Yeah, so the difference between the military and how the church is approaching it, in my opinion, is while the military is adjusting their marketing practices, they're not adjusting their standards very much at all. So there is still, there's never been a female Navy SEAL, not because there isn't an interest in having it, but because no female has met the standards for being a Navy SEAL, right? You got to run a certain time, et cetera. So the military hasn't adjusted their standards. The difference with churches, the, the difference with churches is that what you're seeing in terms of how they're marketing is also reflected in how they're teaching. So there's a, and you, you might say, you might disagree with me, but I think you'd have to admit that the gap isn't the same, right? The, the, the military hasn't adjusted their standards as much as these churches have. Uh, no, that's, that's provably wrong. So the military, yeah. do you remember, do you remember the green card thing that came out? Was it a green card or yellow card or something? That was specifically for the Marines, right? The people that like to say they're the toughest branch of the military. I know this disputed, but that's their claim. Anyways, these people, um, what, what was it, about 15 years ago? It was right after I, I would have been joining. I'm like, well, gosh, why didn't they do that? Maybe I would have joined. But it was basically any time they felt threatened or out of breath or that their, their training was too hard, they could throw this card, and their drill sergeant was absolutely powerless. Like, he could be imprisoned in the brig if he didn't respect that. So... They, I mean, they got the green card. It's a real thing. So, I mean, and that was like 15, 10, 15 years ago. So they have absolutely lowered their standards again to our detriment, to the detriment of our country. So, and yeah, that was but, that's then, not, so now. but that's not a physical standard, though. Yes, right? it is. If, if they say run five miles and you say, oh, I made it. I made a quarter mile and I'm too tired. I have to throw this car down. That's absolutely translates oh. to a physical standard. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that, was, that was a long time ago. Now they're prancing, prancing around like red high hills. CEO, uh, do you know um, do you know Rick Reel on the app? I don't. Okay. So Rick Reel is actually active duty military. And while he can't give you specifics, um, he will have this conversation with you. And I think that you will be absolutely shocked. And he is in charge of Hundred, training hundreds and hundreds of people. And, uh, it is a sad, sad story that he will tell you.
Well, I yeah, I mean, I, I'm coming from a couple years ago. I, I got a civilian briefing from the, the SEALs, and they haven't changed anything at all. No standards have changed anything, any degree whatsoever. Someone asked true, them then... a question. Someone asked them a question about diversity in the meeting, and the, the uh, officer said, we love diversity, however, you have to meet our standards. If that's true, the SEALs somehow have not changed their standards, congratulations to them, every other branch has. Well, and, okay. and if you listen to a lot of Jocko Willing, I mean, yeah, dudes, the SEALs are still very difficult, you're right. But there is pressure on commands to lower those standards, and we saw this. There's a whole story about, um, you know, Green Berets, Special Forces in the Army, which is another elite unit. Um, they were trying to get the first female Green Beret, and they still haven't done it, but they lowered the standards for those females so much that it made actual news. So you can actually go back from, I think, four or five years ago and read the stories of these ladies trying to go through the Green Beret training and failing. And even then, they had lowered the standards so much and they still failed. And so, you know, there's, there's definitely stories out there and there's definitely retired military that have a radically different story than the yes. active duty yes. who are commanded to say certain things. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. I mean, I, I, I think also maybe, maybe they are doing some adjustments because I'm just looking at some data on the Army's website. 71% of youth do not qualify for military service because of obesity, drug, physical, and mental health problems, misconduct, oh or aptitude. So if you only have 29% of the universe to work with, then you have to change your strategies pretty significantly. And then second, 79% of recruits have a relative who served. So the ability to get people who don't have, you know, a family who served and you have some huge percentage that's eliminated from because of these physical and all this sort of stuff, you have a small universe that you're marketing to. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and the thing is, is that, you know, our military readiness is a, is a direct there's a direct correlation between our military readiness and what has been going on for the last 30 years in schools. So I'll just leave you. I mean, I think our only saving grace at this point is fortunately, I mean, we're still, we still have stuff from the past we can live off of and we still have, you know, an arsenal that can destroy the planet. So, I mean, that, that's really our only deterrent is everyone knows, you know, that we have this stuff. But if it was just like army versus army, we'd probably be invaded by France. I mean, but I, I am looking at whoa, the army, whoa, whoa. Uh, the army's yeah. current physical fitness test. I mean, two mile run, fifteen minutes and twelve seconds. Five mile run, forty minutes. Sixteen mile with a sixty-five pound pack, five hours and twenty minutes. I mean, this ain't easy. Do they still have those cards they can throw down to take as many breaks as they need? Well, but 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 wow. the time, but the time, though, that that doesn't impact your time, right? No, no, no. I'm saying if I I don't know this answer, I would genuinely be curious. But my my question is, if you throw down this card, does that pause the clock? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, no. we would have to ask. No. Real, okay. Fair enough. You know? What's up, Nate? How are you doing? Oh wait, Chris is here. Sixteen miles. I'm sorry. Say it again. 
Did you say 16 miles they had to go with stuff, like carrying stuff and everything? No, I said I said 16-mile hike with a 65-pound backpack, five hours and 20 minutes. Wow. I need a car. Yeah. No, I mean, dude, no one's going to say that the military is not difficult. Like, no one's going to say that. I think that when you're looking at the scale, the difficulties that, say, my friends had when they were in, and this is not, you know, well, I'm so old and my friends walked up hills to school both ways in the snow, you know, I mean, it's just the military standards that, because this so happens that almost all of my friends are military or ex-military. Um, and what I, and I am not, my brother was a Marine. I have never been in the service. So, um, but what everyone tells me is that 20 years ago, the stuff that they were doing was so much more difficult than the stuff that they do. Now. Um, well, Oh, oh Rab Scotto uh, will be uh, able to uh, weigh uh, in on this. Very good. Uh, Emil, you sh- you, Emil, Emil shared an article a second. He wanted my take. Um, it, it was in the thing if you guys want to check it out. But his question was about the um, apparently Israel's government is trying to pass. I don't think they have passed. They're, they're talking about or trying to pass that it's illegal for Christians to talk about Jesus to minors, uh, people under the age of 18 with a one-year penalty. Um, yeah, I think that sucks. Um I don't know if it's if it's actually, you know, a formed bill yet or proposed legislation. So if there's any details, like, you know, you can't go up to kids on playgrounds and tell them about Jesus. I mean, you know, that that may be fine because who would want anyone talking to anyone, um, you know, a minor, like in, in some sort of environment like that. Um, but if it singles out Christians specifically and not like Islam, for example, or any other religion, I would say that would be stupid. That would be not right. Um, or if they say, you know, if a 17 year old walks into a church, then sure, they're in a church. Um, so, but yeah, generally, if it is what is proposed, of course I don't like that. It's stupid. And I just have a feeling that if, if it did pass, it would probably be directed to Christians and other religions would be super a-okay. But, uh, Nate, before we get to Rab, you've been up here for a little while and, uh, I like your name. So, uh, <laughs> what do you have on your mind? If you're speaking Nate. All right, Rab, what's up? So I've been, since I heard this, so first off, I was in the military back in the 90s. Uh, I never heard of this card before, so I started looking for it. Apparently, it's what's being discussed here, and I, I, I can't find any references other than the military stress card, which was a card given to recruits that included a list of mental health resources for them to call, and that's it. And like, as well as another card that contained their rights as a recruit in that they couldn't be physically abused, like in the sense of struck by anybody and that kind of thing. That's kind of what the card details is legal rights. And the other one detailed, I can't find reference to the throw down the card, get out of jail free uh, level that's being described here. And that feels like a Facebook meme because uh, I had never heard of Oh no! This was before. Um, I, I, it, I don't want. I don't know if it was before Facebook was invented. I, I think. I think this was before uh, pre Facebook. Um, well, the card I'm talking about was handed out. Yeah, the the card I'm talking about was handed out in the '90s. I'm saying the people discussing it as a get out of jail free card feels like something passed around on Facebook from person to person. Right. I understand. I, I think we may be talking about two different things because this would be you after were the military, '90s. Yes, I was former military. Yes, or I am former military. Because was former military so is a weirder construction. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so this would be after the 90s. Uh, this would be about the time uh, that I would have been the age to join, to, you know, be recruited into the military. Yeah. Yeah, so let, I me, was let me dig around and see if I can find the actual name. But basically the yeah, gist of it, and anyone else, anyone else wants to help me look, like the gist of it was you could have like the, this card or thing or this ability or I, I don't know, so whistle. It was some some mechanism you could use if you felt like you whistle. you uh, needed a you needed a break or there were like certain squares you could go stand on. So like there was something about in your training, if you thought it was too strenuous and you needed like a timeout, then you could do something. You could employ some mechanism and whoever your commanding officer or the person doing your drill sergeant stuff, whoever that was, they were powerless to prevent it. They had, you well, got like so many uses of it and they just had to stand by and let you take a break during the, your training. You, you See, the thing is though, you've gone, that's what I mean by the Facebook meme is that that's a story that just seems like it keeps adding on. I can absolutely believe an ability to say, I'm having a medical emergency right now. I'm about to pass out on this. Take care of me. And that's a medical issue. You want recruits to be able to stop in case of, instead of dying from over, from, you know, like from not drinking enough water, you want them to be able to stop that. I don't think it's a, Oh, I'm sweaty. Who, please help me. I don't think it was ever used in that sense. I think I'm thinking it's halfway between that and the, I'm having a medical emergency. I'm going to die. I think it's, it's, the truth usually lies somewhere in the middle. I'm, I'm thinking it's halfway between both of those extremes. So back in the day, in the 90s, when I was, I was in the military from 95 well, to 2003. Of, of like... oh, go ahead. Yes, I'm going to research this. Hey, I just want to say I researched slavery yesterday, and it is as I thought. Again, just for uh, Tippy, I don't want to get into it again, but I want to have a, you know, if you, if you want to give a follow-up, I mean, I guess I know where you stand. But just so you know, I did do some research, and I, I after you left, I said I may owe you an apology because – it seemed like there you are. It seemed like um, uh, the sources were suggesting that you couldn't take slaves against their will, um, even in the Talmud. So uh, I did some researching the rest of the night. I talked to one of my rabbinical scholar friends, and you know he pointed to me some, to some sources. So it wasn't as dire as I was thinking it was. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, when we get into absolutes, it's tough. He's like, well, no, there were some some things like there were provisions like as a Jewish person or as an Israelite, you were obligated to offer slaves their freedom at some point to, uh, by conversion. So you were obligated to offer them to convert. And at that point, if they did, then they would go free. And there are certain other provisions, which I'm, I'm going to mess up, that would allow them, even if they didn't want to convert, there were certain circumstances where you would also have to let them go free. Uh, but technically, even if you bought someone through ill-gotten gains, because you, know, you, can't, um, you can't kidnap or anything like that, as we all agree to because it's in the Bible— but if someone else did that, like a heathen nation, and you went and you you bought this person and you learned that it was unlawful and they weren't willing, um, you you could still – you would have to free them. And then the last thing I'll say is if they bought a slave, then they would be obligated to ask them if they wanted to convert. But they would technically have to own them involuntarily, and they would have to be in their possession before they could make that offer. Because if they're not theirs, they can't offer it. So anyway, um, it wasn't as dire as I thought. But yes, there, there, there's no absolute thing um, that it was always voluntarily. There were certain examples that it was definitely involuntary. Uh, but at some point, they would be obligated to offer them their freedom by way of conversion. That's what I've learned, Tippy. Okay, well, um, well, like I said, the Talmud is before really... We, before we jump in back into that, before we jump back into that, wait a minute, let's finish the other conversation. So let's finish the other conversation. What I would say is, concerning yes, the military, father. we always listen to our veterans. Thank you, Rav Scoble. Um, 
and we always do further research to instantiate with facts what the assertions are. And so I would say, you know, Rabs has actual, like, firsthand knowledge of things. We should definitely listen to that. And I think that we should also do further research as to, you know, if this is a medical emergency card or whatever. I think that the original thing that was that was being posited is that the the services have started to go soft a bit, um, and so it just depends on how we're how we're pushing that idea forward. Is it through physical stuff? Is it the training they're getting? You know, I have some friends that are current active duty military um, that are that are not Christians, by the way, um, that are serving in Korea right now. I can ask them. I mean, but just to give you an idea. He's doing an 80-mile rucksack march this week um, as the oldest guy in his unit. He's a pilot, and he's volunteering to do this so that he can win the medal and show up all the 20-year-olds. And he's a former Marine. Um, so he's a Marine that's gone into the Army now. He's an Army pilot. And so they're doing an 80-pound, 80-mile ruck, which is insane. Yeah, and my my point was that the military hasn't gotten as gone as soft as a church has. So that was the context I was coming from with it. Okay, so and for yeah, the so record, okay. oh. I own fewer cats than Rapscuttle, me. Just so everyone, I just really wanted to hear what Rabscuttle had to say. I'll say it very fast. When I was there, they were finally letting women into the military for the nuclear program. For a long time, it's just been instructors, and they were starting to let women in. And every six months, we had to do our physical fitness test. And inevitably, people whined that, like me, including me, whined that women had it easier than men. And then it's pointed out, well, the issue is it's not a you need to pass this bar to be an instructor. The issue is how fit are you? And a woman that can do 30 push-ups is likely as fit as a man doing 50 push-ups. So it's an issue of not that push-ups are a requirement for teaching nuclear power, but an issue of fitness. So if you're putting that to a bar, that seemed like a reasonable way to describe it. So in a lot of cases, if it's a fitness test, you should have different standards. If it's a commit this feat, you have to be able to carry a hose up a ladder to put out this fire. Then it doesn't matter what gender it is because that hose needs to go up the ladder. Uh, so I'm reading, and it says the card is called the red card, and it is a safety device that allows recruits to pause exercise if they feel any type of distress or danger. Um, so uh, let's see. The card provides a safe and secure way for re recruits to stop and exercise like if, they feel, if, they, if they feel uncomfortable or in danger. So there you go. Um, I, I would say that's that stops short. That goes falls pretty far short right. of a medical emergency. Uh, while it may not be, oh, the wind is in my face. I must stop. So, um, so that what, also seems to fall short of I'm having a cardiac experience. I need medical attention. It says for it just, any. That's ambiguous. It's great. Can you just put a site because I'd love to read up on it. Can you just put a site what you're reading? Sure. Yeah, I, I want to read it too. Uh, yeah, this is random stuff from the internet. Let me see if I can get an actual site. Uh, let's see. Were we wrapped up with this conversation? I think so. 
Yeah, I'm going to keep looking for that. I'll give it to you as soon as I have it, Rabbit. Unless we're back uh, to the church being, unless we're, unless we're back oh, to the church oh. being soft. That, there, that was the thing I was going to say. Yeah, to wrap up these loose ends, CEO, I agree. Um, I, I guess just for subjective anecdotal experience, uh, the mil the first thing we said was the military standards are significantly lot more lax now than they have been in the past. I think no one's going to dispute that. To what level may be suited, but it's definitely not the same rigor as you know our forefathers had. Um, and then to your point about you know the church overall has laxed its standards more than the military has laxed it. Uh, I mean, anecdotal also, but you know I'll concede. Sure, that that probably is is right. Both have severely lowered their standards. You know the ones who have lowered their standards. But I mean the military is a whole unit. The church, depending what you're talking about. There are different churches and denominations. Some certainly have not. Uh, they they hold to the biblical standard. But yes, the ones who have laxed their standards have have laxed them very much. Uh, uh, so I'm going to so, keep looking about. But yeah, I mean, just like, but 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 current military physical test standards though are still mad hard. <laughs> like I ran track in high school, and I would have been pressed to meet some of these standards that we're talking about today. So. I, 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 so so they may have been softened from a previous time, but you know they 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 are tough still. Whereas I don't think that you can say the church is still anywhere near the standards it was. Um, so I, I I still consider it a, a meaningful chasm. And if the military softened their standards to make adjustments, sure. Again, it's in the context of. 71% of youth are not able to meet, were not able to meet the physical requirements they had. So at some point they were going to have to adjust them so that, uh, so that a larger pool can meet them. Otherwise there ain't going to be no military in, in 30 years. Right. Well, I mean, if they keep relaxing the standards, I mean, they may have a military in name only. Ah, see Tippy left. Tippy. Gosh, darn it. So anyways, I was just going to say, I know she doesn't respect the Talmud and neither do I for spiritual advice. But we can't ignore scholarship. Like, it doesn't matter if she thinks this is what God wanted or whatever, or they did it wrong. The fact is, this is what actually happened. This is the way they practiced it. So if you're saying, what does God really want? Well, then let's talk about that. But if you say, what actually happened? What did these people actually do? Well, you can go to the Talmud that you think is wrong and you disagree with, but it will tell you how they actually followed their law. So, I mean, there's like, you know, pie in the sky idea of, you know, ideals and what should have been, but then versus what actually happened. So I, I wish she was and, here for that. Maybe she'll come back. And, and, and hold on. So the 1950s Marines test included three chin-ups. <laughs> the standard now is double that. So let's not pretend that like back in the day, it was way harder. Three okay. chin-ups was the standard the 1950s, to be a Marine in 1950. They probably weren't being too picky, like this post-World War II, pre-Cold War era. They were like, if you can stand, we'll train you. <laughs> well, look, I've got, uh, I've got, I just texted Rick Reel. He's probably in a meeting or something. But maybe he can come as a guest tomorrow and talk through this stuff because he literally does military training for a living. So maybe that would be a really good primary source. Or just the military reference, right? It's going to be in a manual somewhere. So if we can just cite the military code that this is coming from, we can just look it up. It'd be like right there. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying. Turns out this stuff is not that easily found, but I'm, I'm still working in the background. 
So I found it in that, Snopes. Um, I found reference in Snopes that said, like, here's eight stories about it. And then it said, all of these are collected from the Internet and they're all fake. Uh, what is? It's it's based on that the card for mental health issues that I was talking about. And then the stories grew and grew and grew over email chains and Facebook posts. So it became, yes, this is the meme of it is softer now than it ever has been. So okay, I don't see, know about that. You see a lot of We're former talking... military buying into that that whole thing, right? Rab is like, oh yeah, oh, these kids today. You know, you can totally see that, right? Oh, totally, right? It's, oh, they have it so easy. Like in my day, yeah, it is. So just it, just uh, just uh, to um, keep in mind, like I don't know if you're if we're talking about the same thing. Like apparently, the thing I'm talking about is called the red card. So I don't know if that's different than the mental health thing you're talking about, but that's that's what I'm trying to look at. Go ahead, CEO. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to call BS on this lowering of the physical standards because I'm looking in the 1960s. The one mile run was six and a half minutes for men, and now it's like five minutes and 30 seconds or something. Oh, so good Lord. I'm just in general going to call this BS. Okay, Rick. Oh, I was thinking it was eight minutes. The oh. man is here. Why don't we let the man who does this oh, for a he? living educate us? My mile time was uh, 12.40, just so everyone knows. Right. I was excited to get a 13-minute mile. Yeah, that's not bad. Good job, Chris. All right. Uh, yeah, Rick, so uh, welcome. I don't, I don't know if we've met. Anyways, I... Hey, how you doing? Yeah. Hey, good. Uh, maybe, if you agree with everything I said. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Okay, so we have a couple <laughs> questions for you. One is uh, nice to meet you by the way so one question is we're talking about you know the current standards of of the military so i don't know you can dissect that however you want if you want to talk about a specific branch or the recruit process or maintenance or the whole military altogether you talk about that however your expertise wants to um but it was basically has the military lowered its standards compared to i don't know like any other time in recent memory in the last 20 years in the last 100 years like is the military standards today um, the same stricter or less than they used to be and then the other question is i thought i remembered somewhere about 10 or 15 years ago there was this certain type of like card or pass so like recruits um like recruits doing their physical fitness and all this stuff to be you know join the military um, if they felt like they needed to take a break, like not a medical emergency, but like, you know, they got too overheated or, you know, something less than like an actual medical emergency. They could like hold a card up or blow a whistle or wave or stand in a box or do something to basically pause and take a time out. Those are the two things we're trying to get some insight on. <laughs> All right. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yes. All right. Yeah. Well, that first thing, or that last thing you said, that never existed. That was just a joke in the military. Okay, I'm stupid. <laughs> okay, so so the internet seems to say there was a red card. Is that is that completely false? Did well, Google red lie cards to me? Are, red cards. Shut are, up, Google! Stop listening to me. It just beeps at me. <laughs> those happen in in, in uh, uh, well, they're not called red cards. They're called uh, uh. What are they called? Majors, minors, and majors. But that's in that's in like ranger school though. Like, if uh, a major minus and a and a, and a, and a and a minor, that's what it's called. A major minus. When you do something wrong, like you get a major minus, and this basically goes over your your cumulative score for passing that particular phase in ranger school. And that's ranger school is not a uh, it's 
not like a basic training. That's like a that's a leadership school for for, for people who are already in the army. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's what that's from. But the the, the stress cards were uh, really what that was was there was a study that the army was doing about stress for recruits that were coming into the army. And, you know, there was a bunch of, you know, 50 pound heads that were kind of, you know, taking the cortisol levels. I remember when I was at airborne school, they, they were at airborne school while I was a student there in 2008, um, where they were taking our cortisol levels of stress that kind of, uh, I guess happens when you're jumping out of an airplane, but none of this was, was really just, uh, like I couldn't get out of training. If I got out of training, then I would be refused to train and I would, I would get dropped from the course. And so if a recruit in basic training does the same thing, if they refuse to train, then, you know, initially their drill sergeant's like, oh, hold on, you're refusing to train. And they, then they have to take them before the commander and they have to say it like officially, like I refuse to train. And they're like, okay, cool. And then you're like basically processed out of the army at that point, depending on how long you're in the, uh, basic training what phase you're in but there was never a time where i i held up a card and i'm like oh hold on, i need a break that, that's that's not something that that ever happened um it was more so that when that study was happening people were like oh we're getting softer but really in reality we really didn't they were just trying to take a scientific approach to how stress is uh in you know those particular schools and types of things so they can just kind of come up with a a way to modify the uh, program of instruction of the POI in order to, because uh, in some of the POIs, they were just breaking people so that like they would, you know, they would get medically discharged because they were broken. And they were like, hold on, like this is, this is stupid because it's, now it's costing the American public even more because we bring these guys in. Now we have to pay them because we broke them while they were in the army. And so that's, Rick, that was the, that was the reason why the study was going on. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Rick, if I, if I may just briefly for, for one moment, uh, Nate, Damn. just thought I'd, uh, just thought I'd. Well, uh, well, hang on, uh, Rick, <laughs> can I, can I read you something? This is not my words. Uh, much like when I say, this is not my words. This is the Bible. Uh, this is not my words. This is, this is the all powerful internet. Um, and you know, whatever you say goes, cause I, I don't really have a dog in this fight. But it seems to say that there is a red, kind of like you were talking about the phase. I'm just going to read this and then shut up because it doesn't matter. Um, I defer to you. But it says, ah, the card you're thinking of is a red phase card, which is used during basic training in the United States military. During basic training, recruits go through several phases of training, each with increasing levels of responsibility and expectations. The red phase, the red phase is typically the first phase of training and is considered the most intense and challenging. The red phase card is used to recruits. Uh, is issued to recruits during this phase, and it serves as a tool to the recruit to communicate with their drill instructors if they are experiencing any physical or mental health issues that make it difficult to continue training. Almost done. The card is essentially a mechanism for the recruit to ask for a break from training if they need one. However, it's important to, important to note that the use of the red card is uh, is uh, the overuse. Is uh, the card is strictly regulated, and the overuse can result in disciplinary actions if used too often or for inappropriate reasons. So, is the internet lying to me, or I think it's just not providing you the context. Um, it says the official source it can be found in the United States Army Basic Combat Training Handbook. The handbook outlines various phases for basic training and provides information, blah blah blah, about the use of the red card. Uh, in chapter Absolutely. six of the basic handbook. So that, that would be where it was, Rab, if you wanted to look at that. What one. edition? What edition? Um, let's see. 
The specific information about the red phase card can be found in Chapter 6 of the Handbook, which covers the red phase. Um, which edition? Let's see. Which? Because I guarantee you that thing is no longer a thing anymore. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, they could, they could have well got away with it. <laughs> yeah. We come out with doctrine, like, all the time. Like, and I, I, uh, I'm the uh, first sergeant for all the reconnaissance schools in the Army right now. And we just wrote our, like, the Army's doctrine on reconnaissance and security operations for, you know, just for the Army. And that just came out, like, in 2022. And so before that, it was 2019. And before that, it was, I believe, 2013. So it's always being revised and, and updated. I think the context of that particular uh, portion of your reading is in regard to what I was saying with the, with the, the psychological testing and all of that, that was part of like a pilot program and it never okay. really took on. Um, nice. it, it never really took on that. That's, that's really what it was. And so as far as standard is concerned, are you, are you talking about like PT standards for physical fitness? Yeah. So, so, uh, sorry, I, I, I just went and looked track. up the manual. I'm sorry, I just looked up the manual. It's odd because the the IE. So this is manual that I found was IEP. It was the I the Tradoc pamphlet 600 TAC four. Yeah, so Tradoc pamphlet yeah. 600 TAC four initial entry training IET. Um, that pamphlet chapter six is about recognizing military insignia, which seems like they're going to go through a major revision of that manual if it's no longer like that. That seems like a weird decision for it. So, uh, Nate, I'm just going to point out the one thing that it's got me whenever I find a reference to a, a military manual, if it's not in the actual military formation of these are the letters, TRADOC, this, IET, 600, TAC1, Section 14, whatever, they're making it up because, like, you can cite these things down to the sentence if you're, like, to, to pull them out if it's, if it's a real doc. Okay, sure. So, um, yeah, I guess we, I, I'm still looking for whatever edition this is in. Um, I don't yeah, know. When so, I get to my office, I can. I mean, man, I don't know if you if if it's open to the public. It probably isn't. Armypublishingdoctorate.com. Or it's it's an it's it's the online source for all the manuals, and there it's they only have the current ones there. Um, I'd have to find it. It's not something because I'm not a basic training first sergeant. My older brother is though, and uh, like. Like he, we're on the same base right now, um, and he's he could probably answer this question like thoroughly. If it's unclassified, right? If it's now. unclassified, so we can, can just look it up. If it's unclassified, we're going to have the previous editions online. We can find that. Yeah, and well, I'm, I'm still going to look because now I have a point to prove. But yeah, we can move on to the second <laughs> issue. But while I'm while I'm still looking for this, Rab, I'm just going to go ahead and take a victory lap. It doesn't matter if they did this and then went away with it. It doesn't matter, you know, anything else. The fact that apparently at one time it actually served whether it was a day whether it was a week as a mechanism to ask an instructor for a break because of stress or whatever um as long as this isn't just complete rubbish from google i'm going to take a lap and say take everything i say as a gospel including repent and follow jesus uh, but rick <laughs> if, 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 if you want to i've been right about slavery and i think i'm right about this so I'm going to stop apologizing and hedging, and I'm going to assert some stuff. Anyways, Rick, do you want to so, speak to the – has the military lowered its standards in general um, to, yeah. the, to the second question? That's what – I think that's where the real rubber, rubber meets the road, right? And this is what I wanted Rick to talk about because I think that it's rubbish to say that the military is, is dropping standards. No, the military has not dropped their standards. 
at all. We have changed the standards um, to uh, accommodate the particular battlefield that we're in, right? Because the let's let's take for instance the uh, the Army physical fitness test that was that was designed back in the uh, it was a three event test that was the push up, the sit up, and the two mile run. That was designed back in the uh, 70s and then implemented in the 80s, right? And so the human, uh, the American body type back then uh, was, was, was a hell of a lot different as far as, uh, you know, the recruits that were coming in. And the nature of warfare uh, was a lot different. The, the amount of body armor, the amount of equipment that the soldier had in the 70s and 80s, I mean, I'm carrying, when I'm just in my basic combat load, I'm carrying 40 pounds just with, that's not with like a three-day assault pack or anything on. That's just 40 pounds of body armor, my weapon, my helmet, all the batteries that come with all the gadgets and stuff that we have. And that's, yeah, and then the uh, the seven magazines that I'm supposed to have uh, 30 rounds in them for my, 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 uh, my, my, my personal weapon. And if I have a pistol, then there's the rounds for that. So all of that is like 40, 45 pounds. So... <clears throat> the army came up with a a test now called the the uh the army combat fitness test and so it went from uh three events to six events and uh we 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 took some like a scientific approach to uh how we're testing our our soldiers for preparing them for for, for basically for battle and they they borrowed a lot from the uh, nfl combine because the NFL combine was a like a 70 cent or a 70 cent, 70% predictor of overall fitness for people playing in the NFL. Now, the ACFT is an 80% uh, predictor of overall fitness for combat and preparedness for combat based on the, the, the six events. So you have the first event is the, um, uh, the, the um, max deadlift um, and the top like weight to get hundred points is 340 pounds. You have to do it three times in a controlled manner. So it's not like you're just like, you know, bro slamming it out like in a deadlift with like core horrible form. If you have crappy form, like you don't, you don't, uh, you don't get it credited to you. The next one after that is the standing power throw. So you could take a 10 pound medicine ball and basically you're, you're facing opposite away from the, uh, the, the testing line and you are using in a, in a, I guess in a compound movement, in a complex compound movement, you are throwing the medicine ball as far as you can. Um, after that is the uh, the hand release push-ups. Um, the uh, top score on that is 60, 60 push-ups in two minutes. After that is the uh, the sprint drag carry. So you take 45 or 40 pound uh, dumbbell or kettlebells, I'm sorry, and you have a 90 pound sled. And uh, there's like a lane that's 25 meters long. So you're, you're sprinting, you get up, you do one sprint as fast as you can down and back to the 25 meter line and then come back. So it's 50 meter sprint. And then you have to drag the uh, 90 uh, pound sled. And then after that, you are uh, laterally, laterally like moving back and forth. This is all on the 25 uh, meter um, uh, lane there. And then you carry. Uh, the 40 pound dumbbells and then you come back and then you sprint one more time and so it's all timed uh, you have to do that to get 100 points on that is like a minute 32 i believe or a minute 30 
Um, and then from there, you have the uh, plank. Top score on that's of three minutes and 40 seconds. And uh, the two-mile run. And so the time to get 100 points on that is 13 minutes. And so this is all done consecutively. So, like, you don't really have a break in between each event other than the amount of time it takes for the other three competitors that are in your, like, your little small group there to complete their events. That's, the, that's your break time. And so all of that kind of done in a rapid succession is, uh, is as, as I, I like it, you know, I'm about to take it here on the 31st uh, with, with my uh, troop here. But I, I don't think that they changed the standards. They tried to make a universal standard for uh, male and female, but anatomically, you know, females are different than males. So, you know, wow, we found that out. <laughs> so, um, Rick, I got, I got one question. So if you took today's standards and today's recruits and compared them to 1990 recruits, who would win out in terms of how they perform on these tests? If we took 1990s recruits? Yes. Versus 19, recruits today's. So 1990s recruits, if we were to just take them, they would probably perform poorly on the uh, deadlift, poorly on the um, standing power throw, and poorly on the, uh, uh, what else? The hand release push-ups, probably. All right. So Everything else, they'd probably perform really around so, about the same else right so now. So Nate the, Nate, the prosecution now rests. Okay, sure. Uh, I guess my, and goodness, I don't have a dog in this fight, um, other than my ego. So I guess, first of all, Rick, are you saying this as someone who is currently uh, doing this? And is there any stake, uh, you know, you have in this as, as not, uh, you know, capitulating to former, former classmates? Um, <laughs> and um, anyways, not that that would cloud your judgment. Uh, I, I but I, oh, you didn't hear me? Yeah, I heard up and up until the point where currently I'm a person who has has a stake in this. And, and oh, I, yeah, yeah. I said, is the fact that you're currently involved with this uh, clouding, you know, your perception of of former people, um, you know, because you you are the current class. Like, who would be like, no, no, <laughs> they're definitely tougher than us. <laughs> anyway, um, but I would say, well, then, what can you say about like the perception? Like, you know, when I watch like C-SPAN because I have nothing else to do. And you hear like the senators and, you know, like Millie being dragged before Congress, like answering these questions. And, you know, you see videos of like the like West Point cadets instead of I guess maybe why they get the standards are lowered is presumably instead of like wargaming or doing tactical stuff, they're walking around in like red high heels to better understand the plight of inclusive inclusivity yeah, inclusivity. And I guess where women are coming from or something. So Nate, I, I guess that's. I, Nate, you can't ask a question to an active military person about current leadership, dude. That's going to get him in trouble. You can't comment on that. I mean, he might okay. want to, but he, I think that's I think that's maybe an unfair question. I can, I can comment on that. Well, 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 can I can I try to rephrase it then? So me, no, I, I, who, can, I can I, comment on it. I got I got what you're saying. Okay, sure. Yeah, like as easy as possible. Like I'm not holding anyone's feet to fire about any specifics. Just I think that's why people kind of get that idea. It's like, why couldn't they be doing something else? Yeah, go ahead, Rick. I'll say this. You know, when when you're looking at uh, you know news organizations, uh, 
whatever news organization you're looking at has their particular bent and they're focusing on the story for whatever reason, right? And yeah, there are things that, that we do as a military that are kind of directed, but I will say this, the brass in the military and just guys that are down on like the, the ground level like me, there's a unifying uh, kind of factor in all of this. Like, yeah, we're doing that. Okay, roger that. Like, we just kind of, I mean, because what are we going to say? No? Of course we're going to do it. But it doesn't take away from our lethality or our readiness in order to meet and, like, kill our enemies. Like, we are still able to do all of that. And what you're seeing isn't take up the majority of time it it doesn't take away from our ability to do our jobs um we have the ability to kind of walk and chew gum so if if the you know people who are in charge of us which is you know civilians essentially um are directing these types of things then then we accommodate but it doesn't take away from our ability to because we still train just the same way that like we probably train in a different way now because we're incorporating uh, the different domains of uh, of the battlefield that make it even more intense and more complex. Uh, so all of that still takes place, even though there is those types of things that you see. But it doesn't take away like it's not like there is this large group campaign of people that are like, like the way the news paints it is not how it is on the ground level. I guarantee you it's not. I like, for instance, the army has this transgender policy. I have met two transgender soldiers, my entire 18 years in my career Two. it's not this large group of people, even though we have the policy in place, but they're not, I mean, I don't see them in my CMF and my, and in my career management field, I said CMF, um, career management field uh i do i'm in the combat arms so they're not in our in, in you know in our i guess groups i've never seen them uh other than those two two individuals so and then so yeah well maybe two more questions and then steven is up here too uh i think you want to say something but so yeah I'm, I'm not caring about like news media and stuff like that they all suck uh but i guess i'm i'm thinking and probably most people are thinking like when they hear like, you know, congressmen and like senators and like interviews and they're really like going after the brass. Chris, hope that's big enough for you. Like, uh, you know, this is like taking place on the, the house, the house floor of Congress or the Senate chambers. Um, and they seem to be really giving them the business. So about these failings and shortcomings and how, you know, we, they seem to say um, they could be doing a lot better and they're like serving to weaken the armed forces. Is, are we saying that that's not true at all and it's just for like funding or to get bills passed that have nothing to do with this and it's it's probably not true or they have a gross misunderstanding or it's like political move like because there's certainly no shortage of like people in Congress giving these like military personnel the business um, so at least they believe it so are they just misguided or for some other motive you think I think they're politicians okay yes so. <laughs> and, and, and they get votes for saying this stuff. There's so much gamesmanship that occurs. It's and it's because it helps them dial up the donations that we're getting to their campaign. All right. Well, Rick, with that speech, I think you may have got uh, CEO um, as a recruit. CEO. 
Dr. Rick. <laughs> I'm best. Um, no, I mean, I think I think it was a, a good conversation, and I it, it, it's consistent with what I believe was just like a bunch of hype about oh, it's lower over terrible this and that. It's like to me, they're they're some tough people. I mean, I, I admire the military greatly, and I, I I think it's a shame that we like try to act like oh, we're not what they used to be. To me, it's the same thing as like. People say real men played football back in the day. Well, if you take the 1967 Green Bay Packers against the Kansas City Chiefs that just won the Super Bowl, the Chiefs are going to run the floor with them. So I, I think we just have this false nostalgia and we and 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 it, it's not practical. I mean, people are stronger in general these days, right? Like with the amount of supplements of training, what we know about analytics, people are stronger these days and they can train better. Well, maybe the strong people are stronger, but like, what, wasn't it you that was making the point that because of America, like, what is it, like 80%? Was it 80%? Yeah, like, yeah, 79, like, yeah, 79. Yeah, so it's like so many, so many people are, are, so, so many much people about couldn't. being stronger, though. I think it's more about being stronger willed mentally. That's well, true. Yeah, so I mean, Nate, of the people now, who would... now, that's a good point. What, what, what the other Nate said is a really strong point. I agree with him on the will because you do have people who. Are who may be physically stronger than folks were 30 years ago and this and that, but they are not as mentally strong. I do agree. Well, but yeah. to your point, uh, CEO, you, that, you, were, you were talking about like how. Oh, sorry. No, I was I was just agreeing with that. I I see that as well. But that right yeah, there so is a. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll speak. Well, I was just trying to follow up CEO's point because I think he was the one saying that with 80 percent of our country unable to serve. Then he was. I, I thought it was you. I'm sure it was you that said the military would have to at some point lower their standards. Otherwise, no one's going to be in the army. So um, I said. So I was saying two things. So I said number one, I was talking about the recruiting first, right? So we're adjusting the recruiting messages to Gen Z because what it takes to recruit Gen Z is different than what it took to recruit Gen Xers and the baby boomers. And then okay. I said, and then yes, I think ultimately at some point. If the trend line with health of young people continues to be what it is, yeah, I think at some point the military may have to adjust their standards because if you get to 90 percent are not physically fit, then they would then you would just have to adjust your standards. And the CEO um, and then prom uh, I promise we're going to get to Stephen. But um, I agree with you that we, we generally are stronger now physically and mentally, but that's only the people who fit that bill. So, so yes, through technology, food, nutrition, science, all the stuff, the people who are strong are stronger now than you know they ever would have been through all these advantages and innovations. However, as a whole, we are soft and squishy. So of these strong people, yes, they are stronger today than they could have ever been. Um, but that's an increasingly smaller amount of really strong people. But Rick, um, d I mean, don't you think um, the last – I mean, it's not just like people think this for no reason. So if the actual standards that you talked about that you teach that you went over, um, if the actual standards are, are legit or the same or even elevated than what they used to be, um, it's definitely not the administration or the PR arm that's helping that cause, right? Like Steph was bringing out earlier, the difference in like the recent recruiting video for Russia. And that looks like something like from like 2000 when I was in high school, like the American military uh, recruitment video. It was like rock music. People were spelunking. They were jumping off of cliffs. And that's what, like, the recent Russian video looks like. Like, you know, missiles, rock music, blah, 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 all this stuff. And it's like, holy crap. And then they compared that to the American military recruitment video. And it was like, 
I have two mommies in the Air Force. And it was just like this this childish cartoon, like all gender inclusivity, nothing about battle readiness. So, I mean, it's not like people get these perceptions for no reason, right? So would you say that if the military is on the up and up, the PR is is lacking or I don't know. What do you think about that, Rick? I can't speak to the Air Force. I'm in the Army. Oh, oh no, no, no. That, 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 sorry, that wasn't – I, I didn't mean to be specific again. <laughs> didn't mean to be too specific again. But, I mean, you've seen that video, right? Like it's just a whole military recruitment video. Yeah, I've, I've seen that thing. Uh, I mean, that's just, that's that's the Air Force. They're always like that. They're, they're, that's the Air Force. <laughs> we, we, go, <laughs> we, always, we call the Air Force, and nobody cares about the Coast Guard. But, um, like, what about Space Force? Space Force is, yeah, I don't know. What, what don't are, know. can can people talk about that the way they talk about the Air Force? They they haven't been around long enough for us to make a, have an opinion, I guess. But we just know that we we we. We prioritize them over the, the, the Coast Guard, though, because the Coast Guard just doesn't exist. It's a deep letter in the military. But, um, yeah, the Air Force has always been that place where, you know, it's it, if you want, like, military standard, where you're thinking of, like, you know, I guess the classic example of what the military is like, don't look at the Air Force. It, 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 just don't. Like, um, yeah, it's, it's, they, they're good at what they do. But the the way that they approach everything is just different. It is because they're the Air Force. I mean, heck, the Marines, the way they approach things are like way different. Like I would be like, "Yo, all right, man, calm down. You are tripping right now." <laughs> and, and and Rick, I mean, you know? do, do do you think it makes sense that the military would advertise differently to Gen Zs than they would to previous generations because the yeah. needs and the reasons for Gen Z are different than previous generations? Yeah, you know, the whole, I guess, the whole psychology point and, and you know, target audience, all of that plays into how they they try to reach people with, with you know, in recruiting videos and all of that kind of thing. It, yeah, like what you guys were saying earlier about the, the mental toughness of, of people now, I would say, yes, it is probably decreased. But then again, once we get people into the military, it is the job of people like me, non-commissioned officers like me, to take that civilian and turn them into and lead them and mentor them and coach them in ways to increase that mental toughness. And we are experts at placing people in environments that foster mental toughness. We are experts at it, at it now. Uh, having been in the, you know, in that conflict for the, over 20 years, you have a whole crop of non-commissioned officers that were raised, like I was raised in the global war on terrorism. So things like combat stress and all of that, I mean, I've, I've, I was deployed four times, uh, those types of things. So now we have a young men and women that come in now that aren't in the conflict, but the people who are over them from their, you know, their, their squad leader, who's a staff sergeant, uh, their platoon sergeant, who's a sergeant first class, their first sergeant, who's like me and their sergeant majors, what we were all in a war. So it's kind of like the, uh, the, the guys who, who were in the army, young recruits in the nineties, all of their leadership that were, you know, the senior level leadership were all Vietnam vets. And 
that we saw how the 90s army like mopped the floor of the Iraqi like Iraqi army because of the the X factor of having that type of experience. The army has always had that, whether it be from the NCOs in World War II, who were the who were the uh, the leaders of the Vietnam, you know, recruits and things like that. And it, it, I don't know. I, mean, I can't say that it'll happen like that in the future because you have to have a war to kind of keep that going. But I mean, we've always had one. And so um, I, that, there's there's just a factor that you have to account for, because though the, the civilian comes in and, and they have that society and, and all of that is, is all factors. But when they get in into the military, we have a whole system and a process that has been working since we've been military to kind of weed that out. Uh, Steven, you've been waiting for a while. Did you have anything to say or did you have something else? Yes. Um, I guess this is for Rick and Nate. And uh, uh, let me, let me start off by uh, just saying to Rick, uh, uh, thank you for your service. And uh, I've appreciated the conversation greatly. Uh, so it changed the question I was going to ask. Um, so my question is this, uh, I was part of a discipleship program and uh they used military titles uh, at one point. When I first started, they were using military titles, and their, their objective was, was to bring more men into discipleship, and it was very effective. I remember a Tuesday night at Level 2 Discipleship, very, very hardcore. Hardest core discipleship, way harder than going to Bible college, way harder than Bible college because the intensity of it. And uh, here's what they did. Uh, when I came in about two levels in, uh, they changed them. They used all these military titles, you know, the Green Beret level, the boot camp level, and they had all these different levels. And, uh, uh, and each one would be progressively more and more scriptures that you're memorizing, uh, Bible that you're studying. And, uh, and they stripped those titles and they took them back down to level one, two, or whatever, because they said uh, overseas, people were getting fearful of using military titles. And uh, so it's my, my thought is identity. Um, from this, here's, here's the scripture I was going to ask about, and this is Second Timothy two. Second Timothy two, uh, you therefore, my son, uh, be strong in the grace that is Jesus Christ, and the same things that uh, you have heard uh, from me among the w- many m- witnesses. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, and uh, you therefore must. So my my question is about this. And I, maybe necessity for different identity, because sometimes, yes, I hear I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm a light of the world. I'm a child of the most high God. I'm a new creation. All those things are I'm more than a conqueror, say, from Romans 8. Those are all scriptural. But uh, my question is, is maybe we're in a time that uh, we need to have um, men taking up a different identity. Um, so we're in a time where identity is being shoved. And uh, my, my, my question is about this 2 Timothy 2, 3, 2 Timothy 2, 3. Uh, Therefore, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And I don't hear that talked about much. I'd like to know Rick's take on that, your take on that, that that scripture is an identity of what we're supposed to be like as good soldiers of Jesus Christ, good soldiers of Jesus Christ. We'd love to know what Rick thinks. What do you think, Nate, on that specific scripture? And uh, um, I'd love to know what Rick and you, Nate, think, both of you. well, go ahead, Rick. No, I think that's, um, I mean, yes, I think that is uh, absolutely the mentality like we should have as, as, 
as as believers. And there's there's something that um that I always like to to look at. It's in uh I'm driving right now, so if somebody could pull it up, it's Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verse 10, I believe. And uh, Jesus is talking about uh, servants, and uh, the servants respond, and, and basically they say, and I'm paraphrasing, that uh, they are unprofitable servants because they were only doing what they have been asked to do. And so... Uh, I, I brought that up to say this, that as a believer, you know, I guess my time in the military has kind of taught me this. Like when people thank me for my service, I, I appreciate I know what I know what people are are saying. I know that I know the sentiment and I appreciate it. But personally, how I feel about my services, look, I signed up for it. This is what I'm supposed to do. And I shouldn't be thanked for it. I know what I signed up to do. And I think that as believers personally, now we receive praise and we receive honor from the Lord when we, we honor him and, and, and he does it. He, he, he gives us those kinds of gifts and, and praise God for that. But I think like personally, we should have that mentality that, look, we were only doing what we were asked to do, what we were saved and redeemed to do. So when we, when we, you know, do what what Paul says uh, in in uh, Ephesians uh, two and ten, where he says, you know, we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, right? Paul's talking about what we were cre- what we were saved for at that point. That's what he's talking about. So when we are doing the things that proclaim and express the glory of God in our proclamation of the gospel and how we live our lives in uh consistent uh, uh consistent with the, the the kingdom ethic consistent with our allegiance to the king uh who, who is jesus uh we're just doing what we're supposed to do like what we signed up to do when when we when we called on the name of the lord and we said you know we trust in him and in him alone um and so i think that should be our, our i guess our our mentality our 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 perspective on it so yeah that would be my my uh i guess my my response to that What's your take? Um, What's your take on on, on the on being soldiers? Because another thing I want to thank Rick for is that uh, I know this room is being recorded, which is awesome. Um, one of the things that uh, that excites me is uh, uh, I, I see the not yet convinced men, not yet convinced men. Um, uh, they listen to uh, men in the military more intently. They listen to men in the military more intently, um, and they give they give higher credibility to it. And there's a uh, uh, a listening that they listen from, which is uh, very powerful. So it was great hearing you speak for this reason. I think it plants seeds uh, in, in the brain of men uh, that is really, really well needed. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. Love your thoughts, Nate. Yeah, I'm trying to think back to the original question. It was, what does it mean to be a good soldier of Christ? Was that the original yeah, question? Yeah, so, so, so I'm going to read the verse again. And uh, But but let me let me give honor to the verse he quoted which is, uh, so likewise, uh, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what uh, was our duty to do. Wow. Okay. And uh, I, I, read, I read this, which was uh, 2 Timothy 2, uh, 2 Timothy 2, uh, 
uh, 3, 2 Timothy 2, 3. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You must therefore endure uh, hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So I asked about the identity proclamation, the identity proclamation. Because sometimes you hear, we're a new creation. Is that true? Yes. Sometimes you hear, uh, we are uh, a light of the world. Um, we are more than conquerors. Uh, we're, we're children of the Most High God. And I'm saying maybe... Maybe is it a time where um, we make the proclamation as we are supposed to be maybe good soldiers of Jesus Christ because that may be the identity we need for the time we're in. And that was my question. Is the identity for the time we're in? What's your thoughts on it? I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Like, does the, I mean, is the, is the time we're in like to be associated with the, like a soldier for Christ? Yeah, yeah, because here's, here's an example. I was in a discipleship program. And they used all the military titles to lure in. They used the military titles on discipleship to lure in men. Here was the interesting thing: it worked. They had a lot of men that were that were under it because they they were very intrigued by the military titles. The men were very intrigued by the military titles, you know, and it lured in a lot. And then, but then they changed it from military titles to then um, uh, uh, just level numbers. So they used to be called like. Um, uh, you know, boot camp, et cetera, all these different military titles. And then they took those off, they stripped them off and said, look, when we've taken this overseas, people are afraid of being associated, um, them being associated with literal military. So we stripped them and now we're just going to call them level one through five. But I mean, you- for me, like I wouldn't put too much title in, in that. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I wouldn't put too much influence on titles. Like if it works for something or, or you know, like you said, it worked like fine. But I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, military titles are military titles. Um, it's like, you know, medical titles are medical titles. So you can use them uh, for different things that, that are outside of what they're originally prescribed for. But I mean, I, I, I wouldn't put a lot of stock in a title for title's sake. So if it works, if it makes people feel a certain way, like Salvation Army, I, I don't, I am going to show my ignorance. I don't know if at one point they, like, they're, they're are they affiliated with the army in any way or were they ever? I, I don't know that. But assuming they were not, then I would think it's a little weird because they use like military titles. So if they have no affiliation or never had to any sort of arms, armed forces, then that would be weird. And I don't understand it. Um, if they ever did somehow have affiliation to any degree with like military, however that would be, then I guess that makes sense. But yeah, I, I don't put a lot of stock in title. I would say Christ follower and servant of Christ. I, I would think, you know, like a like John eight thirty one to the people who believed in him. He said, you know, if you remain faithful to me, you'll, tr- be, you'll truly be my disciples. I would put more, t- more stock in, in things, titles like that. Like, you know, cause I, I think that's really the top notch, right. To be called a, a good and faithful servant by Christ, to be called a true disciple by Christ, um, to, to truly be a Christ follower, not just someone in name. But um, I, I think if I were to put stock in titles, those would be the ones you would want to be because the one giving you those titles would be Christ himself. You know, the one we actually, actually want to follow. Um, so I, I don't know. That's, that's my thought on that. Yeah. Cause like when Paul, what did Paul call himself? I think he called him an amb- himself an ambassador in chains. I always wondered, did Jesus say it was okay for him to say it was in chains? I don't know. So when I looked at, at Paul, he called himself like an, an Well, amb- I mean, he did spend a lot of time in chains. Yeah. 
So, 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 I mean, does, does, then we do we use titles based on circumstance? Like is that, that, that's, that was the type, next thing I was going to bring up, like, like Paul using ambassador in chains because, you know, he was in a different time where he wasn't chains. So are we, are we supposed to do the thing? Like when I think Paul said this, I wasn't sure if it was Paul versus imitate me as I imitate Christ or something like that. I think it was Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I think that's in the Bible. And I think Paul said it like, so, so he said he took on chains and based on his circumstance. He took on chains on his circumstance, and I didn't see Jesus talking about chains. So I was wondering, huh, was that okay for Paul to say, I'm an ambassador in chains? And uh, even though Jesus never said the chains part. Well, no, I take that as literal. Like, I mean, I take that as, you know, Paul, like, you know, Paul spent plenty of time in jail, in shackles, in chains. So, I mean, that's, that's just reporting the news. I don't think that's a lofty title. I think he's just like, yeah, man, I spent a lot of time in chains. Like, here I am writing lots of the New Testament in chains. So it's like the, the this Rick guy saying, you know, I'm a, I'm a soldier for Christ. I mean, he spent some well, I remember time. there was a lot. I remember there was a lot of controversy. Do you remember that Rick? It was like floating around. If someone tells me this is also a social media myth, I'll scream. But you know, I saw the video and it looked real. Um, and it was like a, a military guy, like instructor or something like that, or a chaplain or something. Maybe it's a chaplain that was had a bunch of people in military, you know, dress. And he's like, and you know, he was making a very Christian uh, point. But then he's like, we're going to be the hounds of heaven going after them. Blah, blah, blah. We're going to drag them back. And, you know, for church speak, it's like, oh, I get it. You're trying to save sinners from eternal damnation. But when that got out, people were like, look, the military is going off the rails. Blah, blah, blah. They're usurping the military with Jesus talk. Do you remember that video? So, I mean, you know, it, the sword the sword cuts both ways. Like, you know, we're talking about like the hounds of heaven. Um, anyways, do you remember that, Rick? I've never seen that one. Uh-oh. Oh, well, anyways, so, I mean, you know, using using colorful language and stuff in the Bible, like, it depends. If someone needs to be, wants to be offended, they're going to be. If someone, like, you know, I don't often use the term, I think, ever, hounds of heaven. But if someone uses it, I get it. I know what they mean. Um, Nate, did you have anything to add or say? A super, super fun, Nate. I got to run. Thank you so much, Nate. Oh, take care, Stephen. And, 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 and Rick, real, real pleasure meeting you. Uh, once again, really enjoyed hearing what you had to say. Nate, always appreciate hey, Always, nice always you, appreciate Nate. Nate. Well, thanks and for stopping for by. the work that you're doing here. And uh, thank you for the work that you do. Appreciate all of you. I got to run. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, take Nate. Care. Bye, Stephen. Hey, uh, um, what were you saying, other Nate? No, I just find it really interesting how you get, what you guys were talking about. Because um, when I joined, you guys were talking about like something about the correlation between, like I guess, the military standard and uh, contrasting it with the Christian church today. Uh, what, Chris? I just, uh, if Rick would uh, do us a favor, I, like just to make everybody feel better. Uh, and Rick and I have talked about this, so I kind of know what he's going to say, but he's excellent at saying it. Like, hey, Rick, talk to talk to these guys about the difference between like just regular militaries that are running around out there and how the U.S. military uses combined arms and logistics and why that's so much more effective than, say, a Russia right now. Oh, combined arms. Uh, combined arms is essentially a, a symphony of destruction. I think of a symphony and how it is. Each, uh, you know, instrument in the, in the symphony is arranged and 
and the maestro is, is, is controlling it in order to create that, that sound that, that's, you know, that's unified and, and occurring at a particular moment and, you know, rising. And it's, it's all like orchestrated. That is what combined arms is. And we do it very well because of our ability to integrate multiple forms of contact on a particular point on the battlefield. Um, we do that very well because of our decentralized form of military leadership, right? And so take, for instance, the Russian army. The Russian army is officer-led, heavily officer-led, uh, top-down um, kind of uh, military, right? So the guy on the ground who is engaged in the close combat with their enemy force in order to make a huge, you know, uh, large decision, they have to wait for the brass at the top to basically give them the go ahead or, or say no. Now, anybody in a firefight knows that the two hours that it takes or the, the, the 30 minutes even, that would probably be fast, that it takes uh, is a long time to be fighting 30 minutes where you're in, in a sustained firefight. I mean, if, 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 I'm, if I'm firing at, 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 you know, constantly for 30 minutes, I'm already out of ammunition in, in my center, actually. <laughs> and so uh, they have that as their, their, I guess, their methodology. The American military isn't like that at all. We empower the sergeant at the team level, right? That's the, I guess that's the, the, the basic level of uh, a fighting formation in the army. It's the team level. It's a, it's a five, a four, a four member uh, uh, group, right? And so that team leader has the ability in uh, what's called, because our, 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 uh, our philosophy is called mission command, right? So you train your leaders all at different echelons from the platoon level, the team level, the squad level, the platoon level, the company level, the squadron or battalion level, up to the, to the brigade, to the division, to the corps, all of that, it's, it's all, we're all trained. And so what that does is it builds trust. I know that that guy has been trained at a certain level that he can do X, Y, and Z without me having to tell him what to do. If we're engaged in a particular uh, fight, that team leader doesn't need to wait for the platoon leader who's a lieutenant to tell him, hey, I need you to do this. He already knows that he has to do it because we give people uh, what's called left and right limits uh, or, or to operate in what's called a disciplined initiative. So as long as you're not breaking or violating the law, go ahead and do it. And then let me know what you did afterwards. And so since that is kind of our, our approach is, and every leader from the lieutenant, the sergeant, all the way up to the general, all has this kind of mentality. That's, that's the difference in the American military. As far as supply and logistics is concerned, uh, this is the reason why we can project power throughout the world, unlike anybody else in, in, in any other militaries that are kind of our, our near peer, uh, I guess, uh, uh, you know, competitors, so to speak, because they don't have the logistical capacity, the logistical arm or, or, or reach that the US military does because we have a rapid deploy, rapid deployability rate. Like I was in the 82nd Airborne Division for 12 years. 
the 82nd Airborne Division can have a brigade of paratroopers in your country in 18 hours. So from, and that's from the notification from the president. So by the time we get it, four hours have probably passed or two hours have probably passed. And so from those, what is that, that's 16 hours, we are marshaled, we're given a plan and we're on the plane and we're gonna jump into your country and take an airfield. All of that does is we take an airfield then they start landing armor and then you got real problems. But once we start landing armor, like it's just a matter of time, we're taking your country or we're taking whatever we came to do. The rest of the world doesn't have that ability. Russia cannot, cannot do that at all. If they, if they did a, a, an airborne operation, let's just say in Alaska, yeah, those guys would get in, but they, they'd be cut off. They wouldn't be able to be sustained, wouldn't be able to be, be uh, 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 you know, I guess, sustained and supplied. And so we have that ability to, to marshal from port to port, from port to theater, from theater to battlefield. And that chain is unbroken for us. We, we've always had that ability because of our, uh, I don't know, our, our logistical, the logistical monster that uh, the U.S. is. And that's the reason why we have all these bases all throughout the world, because we can maintain that. I hope that kind of answers your question. Thank you for sharing that. That is interesting. Uh, Steph, what's up? Oh, uh, I am feeling infinitely more secure in my country uh, after everything Rick just said. Yeah, I'm feeling great. The anxiety level is low now. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that we have the ability to organize and get to a place and the resources to get somewhere much faster than anyone else. I didn't, uh, wasn't clear on the uh, mechanics of why Russia couldn't just attack Alaska. So that's pretty cool. I had no idea. All I have to say is the more Calvinists you have in charge of more stuff, the better it is for everybody. What? Don't don't give it oxygen, sir. Don't do it. Well, I noticed Rick, this, Rick does not like uh, reformed culture, so I, I would expect him to uh, push back on you, Chris, for your heresy. Oh, you don't know Rick. Yeah. I don't like reform culture, but I love reform theology. <laughs> I get the difference. Mm, that's the fair. Do we want to uh, manage Bob today now that we're all fired no. up about the military and how awesome everything is? All right, we want to leave him down there. He's I talking wanna... some uh, some trash in the chat. Well, I saw he says I don't like to repent. I mean, how would you know? <laughs> I mean, unless you are looking at my windows, I know I joke about that, but I mean... Anyway, I think because you have never repented uh, to him, is that the right way to use that verb? <laughs> like when I think about repent, I think to Christ, right? Uh, or in front of Christ. Uh, he wants you to repent in front of him. For what? All the times that you have conveyed to him the false gospel. Oh, well, sorry, I'm not repenting to a demon. There you have it, Bob. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Rick, please. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Phil Fox, a dear brother of mine, asked a question in the chat earlier. I mean, we kind of we kind of went where we went, but I, I, I if you don't mind, I'd, I'd like to answer it. Sure. If that's okay with you guys. Yeah. 
Yeah, so yeah, he asked, you want to read the question? Yep. He asked, did the style of fighting change over the years as well? Like my drones, less hand-to-hand, more advanced intelligence to mitigate human loss. Would that impact who the armed forces are looking to recruit? I, I guess the short answer is yes. Impacting who we're looking to recruit. But... Um, it's expanded the yes. It's an expanding yes in 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 regards to this, right? Um, because the the military is in all of their branches. They have a, a cyber command now, and they have a lot of uh, uh, MOSs and mission military occupational specialties that are uh, that are geared toward the kind of uh, technology type things that. Uh, that weren't around because that technology wasn't around back, you know, in the eighties and in previous years. And so, yes, we've kind of expanded who we're looking for because that, that, that features on the menu now, as far as the, the fighting is concerned. And yes, the nature of warfare has changed exponentially. It, it has changed. I mean, at the end of the day, the concept is still making the enemy die before he makes you die. I mean, that's, and basically crushing his will that that's always going to be there but the uh factors and variables uh, have increased whereas before there wasn't ever a a cyber domain during a uh you know world war ii they didn't have to worry about it they didn't have to worry about a space domain they didn't have to worry about any of those types of, of domains they didn't have to worry about drones over them identifying uh, their positions they have thermal imaging cameras and things like that nobody had to Identify that. Take this. Uh, is he chopping up for anyone else? Yeah, Rick, you're in the matrix. I'm sorry. Usually Rick's in the weight room at this time. <laughs> hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, you're good. Now. Is it a little better? Okay. Uh, I was speaking about uh, Russia and their, their electronic warfare capability, right? And the prevalence of cell phones that we have, right? Like the Ukraine was utilizing uh, cell phone technology and uh, just regular radio communication that has kind of been, you know, as long as it's encrypted, you can't hear what people are talking about. But now if you key a hand mic over the radio, or if you're sitting at a, at a command and control node that has all of these, you know, different things that are sending out signals, and receiving reports, now that becomes a huge, electronic uh, signature on those detectors. And all Russia does is go, okay, hey, there's a there's a huge electronic signature here. Let's just blow up that whole grid square with missiles. We were fine, we could communicate. And now, uh, yeah, Rick, it's, uh, it's pretty bad. It's It's really choppy right now. Okay, or, I, I mean, is anyone else able to hear him? Like, it's it's really choppy for me. My bad. No, no yeah, he's again now, Rick, because now you're clear. Uh, every time, every time you get interrupted, it's clear. It's. But yeah, the nature of warfare. Is this. <sighs> I'm so interested. Yeah, Sorry, you're gonna have to let us know if you get a better signal, Rick. 
That stinks because I'm like I'm on every word of this. This is so interesting. You got to let us know when you get uh, Beckham's. Bro. And the beauty of this is like. Chris, Rick, you take you're... over. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like what I would say <laughs> is like. Rick Real can talk about the military, but man, you get that guy in Reformed Theology, he's going to teach you some stuff. You'd love it, Steph. Mm, I've seen it. I like learning from Rick. <laughs> I'm in his rooms all the time. I know. All right. Nope, I just hear chop, choppy chop, Rick. <laughs> but yeah, sub I mean, sub by whenever you can. Um, I would love to hear the conclusion of this. Um, or jump back in if your service is uh, stronger. All right, Steph, the responsibility falls to you or Sarah and Stephanie. I mean, I'm still on Bob being like Satan commands him to repent. Say what now? That's pretty. That's what he said. Okay, hold on. Maybe I should. <laughs> this is almost as good as the uh, the Yaju guy telling us that they baptize with bong water. <laughs> that is was that great. a direct quote wow the conversation seriously downgraded like we were at a level nine and a half or ten with rick and now we're a bit on bong water like immediately thanks chris i mean i'm i'm here to derail things that's apparently my reputation i did thanks it for, thanks for oh. nobody arguing with that jeez <laughs> oh. yeah. you're welcome Listen, no, Bob, you're you not know. a drain on all of us. No, you're great. <laughs> it's like yesterday when we wouldn't assure Nate that he wouldn't that he would be a bad dictator. <laughs> Bob, can you explain why you think that the devil is the one who wants you to repent? Because he's always wrong, and he's trying to convince me that it's me. You know, it's kind of like some other people I know. If it, they don't work on the thirteenth floor as much as I do. I didn't understand any of that. Okay. What's the 13th floor? It's, it's the one that they won't let you own at the hotel. You know, at that 24th. They get... There was a movie called Nightmare on the 13th floor. Is that what you're talking about, Bob? Well, it's kind of like that. I no, this is like an old American architecture thing where they'll skip the 13th floor. They did this <laughs> yeah, until like the 1920s. That's what the movie's based on. And there is a 13th floor, and it's a kill house floor. Okay, Bob, what does that well, have to do with anything? That reformed theology, you know, it's the devil's number one, too. Wait. Oh, yeah, attack that. On. Yeah, attack this. <laughs> before I sit Chris on you, or before Chris goes after you, what, what do you mean the devil? So I asked you why you think the devil wants you to repent, and your answer was because the devil is a liar. Could you expand? That's that's plainly written. He's been a liar from the beginning. No, so I he's know. always wanting I me agree. to repent. He don't want me to mess with his stuff. Do but you I mean, see the disconnect? Like, why would repenting encourage Satan? Because I'd be over on his team. You already are. <laughs> <laughs> you better get that cat back up to me, Alan. It's getting weird, right? Yeah, y'all, y'all adopting all them cats down at the Reformed Church, but uh, 
Oh I my gosh, it. you are one I of the, I really hope that Rick's service comes back. Please, Rick, if you want to test anytime <laughs> and tell us I, if you're back. I mean, get some <laughs> wire antennas or some tinfoil. That, that could serve a dual purpose while Bob's talking. There's actually a Russian drone that's after Rick right now, and he's having to dive from foxhole to foxhole to tell us about Russian drones. Oh, it's I'm like that commercial. You. Remember, like, the James Bond guy? He's, like, fighting and, like, jumping over rooftops, and his mom's on the phone. She's like, yeah, so I got some spaghetti ready. He's like, Mom, it's not a good time. Wait, okay, Bob, you made a claim in the chat, and so what I'm going to do is go make the popcorn, but I'm going to read to Chris your claim. Uh, it says, and I quote, I can destroy reformed theology. That's why they keep me down. Now, before the for the record, uh, I am not reformed. I'm the least reformed ever, ever. But I am what? interested in hearing that. <laughs> what did you, did you go out or did you? No, oh, I muted it, and I'm I'm anticipating this. I'm very excited. I, I was wondering if you might want to destroy Chris. The beauty of it is that he's going to present the exact same arguments that Malak would. So go ahead, Bob. Oh, wow. Really? <laughs> okay. Wow. Well, see, I understand. What, what they don't understand is that I understand that Reformed theology is really deformed theology. That's good. I'm going to take that. Do go on, please. Do I, do, do I need to repeat this? Oh, no, Rick, Yes, I want to clip out. it. Yes, yes, repeat that one time. Reformed theology is deformed theology, but most people uh, like it. All right, got that clip. There we go. Well, congratulations. I mean, I think you, I think you proved that uh, Chewbacca is from the planet Kashuk and that we must acquit. Yeah, ain't no doubt about it. Reformed theology has deformed more people's minds than you can imagine. All right, I'll bite. In <laughs> what way? The same way that the people's minds, I think that's, I think reformed theology is what got the Galatians in so much trouble. Yeah, that Calvin guy was such a problem back in the first century. Um, so, uh, what? Can you tell me? <laughs> now that was Rick. crystal clear and perfectly timed. Uh, Rick, is, <laughs> have you ever met Bob? Bob's a Unitarian. I mean, yeah, that's have, a generous I'm, description. I'm going I'm to get Steph baptized, so she's going to be crying in a minute at laughter. Are you, you using yes. the lake of fire for your baptism? No, you want you want to avoid the lake of fire. The, uh, the fire baptism is good, but the lake of fire deal, you know, I mean, the reformed people has done done away with that idea. Well, hold, okay, the hold on, wait. The <laughs> deformed <laughs> people. The deformed people. Rick, are you me. back yet? <laughs> Rick, have you met Bob yet? I have. I mean, you have. Okay. No backstory. Honestly, I think that there might be, and I'm not trying to be funny at all. I think there might be, you know, some issues going on with, with the general. Uh, that, that, you know, he's, I think this is what's going on. Because nobody. We don't hear you, Rick. Rick, you're still out. This is, there was a series of burns that the good Lord blocked. 
I think is what just. I think he was saying there may be actual issues with Bob because no one can believe this stuff um, unless you're they're legitimately compromised. Well, I ran in. I, I listened to somebody the other day. I think his name was Earl. I mean, he was getting deep off the deep end. I mean, <laughs> can you expand? In what way was? <laughs> I can't even. I'm just. I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, Earl was. He was explaining something to somebody. I think it was in an Albie group or something. You know Albie, don't you? We know Albie. Yeah. We know Albie. Well, anyway, Earl was in there, and and I was going fishing, and I couldn't, you know, keep listening because I was trying to catch fish, and I caught some. But anyway, back to Earl. I mentioned the Dixie Chicks. Oh, I was there for this, and you were, okay. (laughs) This, I'm so glad you're bringing this up because you asked in the middle of the conversation if Earl had ever heard of the Dixie Chicks and then Yeshua immediately was like, anyway, moving on. Please tell us now, Bob, this is your chance. Where were you going with that? You don't know? No, sir. The Dixie Chicks had a very famous song years ago. And the title of it is Earl Had to Die. Bob! Oh my! Wow! What the heck? I don't even. I don't even know what's. I... Nate, what's happening right now? Are you talking? Is he talking to aliens, Rob? Do, do you see aliens, Bob, right now? Like I don't even know what's happening. Like, do you see like like? Do you see like numbers or There's like some grays? There's like, some grays. No. Earl of gray. No, I just Earl. Earl was doing all that talking. And if you'll Google or, you know, go to the thing of the Dixie Chicks and just type in Earl, I mean, it'll come up automatically. Why do we care about the Dixie Chicks? Because, okay, well, because they had this song about an abusive boyfriend called Earl, and the chorus of the story, the song was Earl had to die. And so I think this is Bob making a horrifying and veiled threat. And I think... Now never, that Yeshua is he may have kill foreseen, someone named Earl? No. Okay, no. there's a guy in this app that everyone knows who recently got a new account and changed his name to Earl. So we now I actually are don't know who that is. Earl. I know I'll back channel you. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know why. Trying to keep he it on the down low. Yeah. yeah, I don't know well, what's going on there, but he changed his name to Earl. So now Bob is saying that uh, this gentleman, who we all know, uh, had to die. And now I realize that the reason Yeshua. Uh, deflected you immediately was because he probably foresaw where that was going and I did not. So kudos to Yeshua, who's not in this room. Good job uh, averting that situation, which would so have been... So Earl, would you say... Uh, Earl, Bob, would you say you need to repent of making death threats? Have I followed you No, no, that wasn't it. It's this reformed theology that's what's got to die. Yeah, back showing me stuff. I, I want to know. I'm so... I don't know if you know him, but I'll send, yeah, I'll send you... Oh. But but anyway, I've got to go deliver a vehicle to a shop, and the service is bad out here in the back sticks, you know, where I live. So uh, anyway, thank, thank you, uh, Steph, for uh, this enjoyable time. And uh, I'll be, if I get some service, I may check back in if y'all still on. But anyway, thank you, Nate. And, uh, Please Chris, do. I want to hear you destroy reformed theology later. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm rooting I'm, for you. 
I'm, I'm working on, uh, when I get the full game plan, I'll instigate it and the bomb will drop. How about that? Can't wait. I'm so okay. ready. All right. Well, I'll let you know when well, it happens. I'm rooting. I mean, too. yeah. All right. Well, I'm out of here. Thank y'all. Bye, Bob. Peace be with you. <laughs> Peace be with you. Don't, don't kill us all. I don't even know how to handle this day. Someone come ask us a question. Ooh, I do know that uh, Daisy down there sent me a recipe for um, salsa. I'm very excited to try it. Oh, cool, cool. Brian, what's up, Brian? Who's Ryan? Are you seeing aliens? Said, maybe. Something oh, is flashed Brian. up. Like Brian, oh, okay. Brian wants to join the stage. Yeah. Is he here? Gotcha. No. You know, sometimes I wonder if people like raise their hand and I like bring them on stage and uh, I'm like, all right, what's up? And they're like, nothing, just listening. I'm like, well, why did you raise your hand? I do because they like wanted to, to be spot. closer to you. Yeah. Oh, he says it won't let him. Brian, if it's not letting you, then go out of the room and come back. Oh, wait, you walk. try. You try, Steph. You try inviting him. I Sometimes did already. It... Oh. We got Daisy. Brian, go out of the room and come right back in. We'll still hey, Daisy. Hey, I'm just listening. <laughs> I think you can share that salsa recipe with class. <laughs> <laughs> did she That's go back Daisy's down? Sense of humor oh my right gosh, there. that was so funny. Wow, you're being trolled. I know. You're getting trolled by all the reformed people today. Daisy <laughs> is the most reformed person on the app. Yeah. Super reformed. What? That's quite a claim. Can you guys hear me now? Is it better? Yeah, you're better. Yes. All right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you guys wanted to hear what I, the rest of what I had to say. Yep. You absolutely do. Yes, please. I have to edit out that nonsense in the middle. All right. So, essentially... The nature of warfare has changed, um, specifically with those drones um, and all of the technology that has kind of come 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 about in the last you know twenty years. And so, since that's the case, it's caused us to have, uh, I guess, to get better at the ability of fighting in an analog environment and in a digital. Uh, environment, so to speak, or a cyber environment where, and doing it simultaneously. Now, I don't know if other armies can do that because if, let's just say, we, we launch like EW or electronic warfare attacks on, uh, you know, a, an opposing force and they don't have the ability to communicate, like, that's a disaster for, for them. Because if you can't communicate with your, your sister forces or your, you know, all of that, and supporting elements and things like that you're just you're essentially cut off even if even though you even if you could see them like on a battlefield if you can't talk to people then yeah you're essentially cut off and so the way we train now like the way that i have my two courses training right now is to incorporate the analog so when i say analog what i mean is you know operating off like a map and compass and then in the digital environment with all the, you know, the, uh, the bells and whistles that's operating in the, you know, interconnected, uh, 
kill chain environment that we have where when I say kill chain, that means when I ping the target, if that is on the high payoff target list, that gets sent straight up to a, a, uh, you know, basically a, a, the target designator or the target, uh, the guy who's in charge of all the targets and the priority of the targets. And he goes, hold on, somebody's found something we've been looking for that's, you know, key to that, the enemy's, uh, you know, uh, ability to conduct their mission. Let's destroy that now. And I don't have to call it up on the radio and do anything like that. It just, it just happens. That's in the digital environment. Like we have that ability to do it, but we also train to do it in the analog environment where I'm talking on the radio, I'm sending a report, it gets sent up in a rapid fashion. And that's, that's happening simultaneously in all of the, uh, the tactical operation commands at, at varying echelons. And we do that now because we know that's what, what the battle is going to be like in the future. Um, I don't think, um, obviously Russia did not do that at all because they are getting like molly whopped by Ukrainians with, with like John Deere tractors right now. And so <laughs> it, uh, it really goes to show that if you aren't thinking forward uh, of how the, you know, warfare has changed, then the casualty numbers, and, and make, let me just say something about the casualty numbers. The next World War casualty numbers are going to be enormous if we ever engage in another World War. They are just going to be. The, uh, the casualty list, let's just take, for instance, uh, the Battle of Iwo Jima. That took two months. We lost 20,000 soldiers, 20,000 Marines and, and soldiers on, in that battle over two months. We haven't lost, we didn't lose 20,000 people in the 20 years that we fought in Afghanistan and Iraq. Do you notice the difference? <laughs> and I don't know if the American public has the stomach for that. But here's the thing about world wars. It doesn't matter if you don't have the stomach for it. You better get one because the only other option is you lose. And right before World War I, uh, we, we were that kind of army. We were very small. And uh, once the World War kicked off, especially even in World War II, we were that kind of army because we kind of de de decreased and downsized. But once the war kicked off, we really started being about the business because it was either, you know, win or lose. And so I think that'll be the same kind of contributing factor, motivating factor for us in the next war. The, you know, all these things about our society that you don't like as far as, you know, people being uh, mentally uh, not there, mentally not uh, strong. We will we will rise to the task. Otherwise, we'll lose. Like, otherwise, we will not. And I believe that that has always been an X factor in America in particular, as far as the military is concerned and our society, because once, you know, you know, we see those casualty reports and we see what the nature of this actually is. We get our nose bloodied immediately in, the, in I guess, in the, in the initial portions of the fight. Then we will really start to uh, really bring to bear all of our logistical capacity and all of our, uh, you know, years and years of fighting warfare and the great way and methodologies and philosophy we have about doing it. That will just win the day. But that's just my opinion because I'm actually in the military. So that is kind of biased.
Well, thanks for sharing that as well. I'm about to like break out the Bud Light and get the American flags going. I'm like all pumped. <laughs> America. Well, hey, in other news, uh, a Reverend Victoria Rob Powers uh, is just ordained the first, let's see, blah, 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 Royal Lean Baptist Church's first ever senior pastor. Who? What? Take that button flag down to Texas. Who? Who? What now? I don't understand. A woman was just made senior pastor of a Baptist church in Texas. Like a Southern Baptist church? Because there's thousands of women pastors of Baptist churches that are like... Royal Lane Baptist Church. Okay. Are you Googling that? I I mean, no, not at this point. I I don't know if that's news or not. Like, I know that it was huge news that Rick Warren had ordained (laughs) women... And Rick Warren's church got thrown out of the Southern Baptist Convention. I just um, came across my "You might be a heretic" Facebook feed. Gotcha. Um, you know what? Uh, you know what was big news yesterday? Do you guys know who Carl Lentz is? No, of course not. <laughs> is he alive? Steph, you do you know who Carl Lentz is? I don't. Okay. Are you familiar with Hillsong Church? Oh yeah. Um, Carl Lentz is the disgraced pastor of Hillsong, New York. Um, he misappropriated millions of dollars and was having an ongoing affair with a Muslim woman. Oh, ha, ha. Yeah. Goodness. So, so, so what, what was he in so, the news recently for? All that so, uh, so yesterday, you guys know Mike Todd, right? The guy who spits in people's eyes. You're setting me up for failure, no, bro. I don't know any this? of these people. What? You guys don't know about Mike Todd and the spitting in people's eyes? No. Oh my gosh. I you just read my Bible and pray. Christianity. Okay. So <laughs> so Mike Todd is a very famous megachurch pastor in Oklahoma who does outrageous things and is constantly in the news for his outrageous behavior. Um, I think they just gave away like a million dollars just as a lottery. Like, people signed up, and then they just gave out a million-dollar payout just for being a member of their church. Like, that was one. Of the church's money, of course. Um, and uh, they he just recently did a thing where he was doing the illustration of, you know, Jesus making the mud. And he spit in his hands, and he had a volunteer come on stage and rubbed his spit in the dude's eyes in front of, like, 20,000 people. Did anything happen, though? Well, no, of course not. It, the guy wasn't even blind or anything. It was just, you know, he was making a sermon illustration. It was disgusting. I mean, and he's just an outrageous, like a, an outrageous individual. And so he just hired as his number two, Carl Lentz, to come to his church. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Oh man, Brother Miller with the kill shot there, Steph. Mm-hmm. She probably is, though. <laughs> hey, Daisy, if you ever um, become a lady preacher, uh, we're going to know that you're not reformed anymore. Is that right? I'm just totally harassing. misinterpreting the ancient text, Chris. I'm just harassing Daisy. Um, 
but uh, yeah, Carl Lentz and Mike Todd. Now, the, the question for the day, maybe the question for the panel, which one is worse, Carl Lentz or Mike Todd? Okay, so the spitting the eyes, guys, uh, based on what you said, I would say the spitting the eyes guy is less bad than the dude that, um, yeah, the, the what, fraud or theft and the affair. I mean, just numer numerically, right? Because, I, I mean, I don't, yeah, it has to be. There's there's not a case to make the other guy worse. Ooh, and feel like spitting in the eyes. Oh, more information for Steph. Carl Lentz is considered the most hipster of all of the hipster pastors. Right, Just throw that. Definitely him, then. then. He's definitely bad, then. How do you spell the O-L-E-N-T-Z? Okay, hold on. Does he wear skinny jeans? What is happening? This can't be the same Hillsong pastor joins. That is him. That is him. Why does he have, like, nude photos on Google? What is he doing in the picture? <laughs> He's... Ew. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I really regret Googling that. Okay. Yep. <laughs> oh, Andy affirms Thanks, gamer. Chris. Says, I yeah. didn't know that was going to come up in my the defense. The first I... photo that came up in Google was a picture of him standing next to Justin Bieber. But I, okay, listen, I just bought my iMac. All right. So this photo came up on my 24 inch, uh, like retina display and I could see everything. Oh, wait. I wish I you could said, unsee what I did. You said New, you said New York. He, did he move to New York? Because he was like the Hillsong, California pastor, right? Or did he go to New York too? No, yeah, he was the Hillsong, New York pastor. Look, a lot of Hillsong pastors have embezzled money and had problems. I mean, almost all of them, actually. To be fair. <laughs> so, Steph, you will not be going to the student's church? Uh, no, thank you. Did you check out? I've seen uh, more of that man than I ever want to see. I did not know that was going to happen. By the way, I had no idea. I did not Google Carl Lentz. How many of you Googled and saw what I just saw—the picture with Justin Bieber? Just you know, I need someone to commiserate with. Congratulations, Chris! You've defiled her mind. Well, on a on a less defiling note, uh, Steph, did you see your conspiracy theory link about the Black Pope? Have you checked out that documentary yet? I have not, no, but I'm looking forward it's, to it. It's pretty good. Did Chris you find the answers you, you were looking for? I'm only about an hour you. in. I went down that black black pope rabbit hole the other day. <laughs> How'd it go? What did you find? Go, yeah. I, I mean, I'm more interested in the gray pope. Like, that seems to be people want to talk less about that. Yeah, that one seems to be a little more elusive. I had a much harder time finding anything on the gray pope. Which just means that's the that's the real power. I hope no one else makes this Steph's mistake. Steph took the bullet for you. Don't don't Google. What are we not supposed to Google? Don't Google Carl C A R L. Don't Google that. Carl Lentz? Yep. He's saying don't do it. I'd <laughs> listen to him. <laughs> no one ever listens to me. Whatever. I mean, too, some girls until it's are too late. Well, you're usually thing. wrong. Yeah. Yeah. She's doing it right now. I'm totally doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Unclean. Unclean. <laughs> 
I have regrets. Oh, oh good. Hey, Brian hey, is going to bring some Please save sanity. us all. Hello, Brian. You are so welcome here this morning. <laughs> well, I, had, I haven't seen Nate in forever. I just thought I'd come out and say hey. Oh, I'm glad you're here. It, is, it has been a kind of day. Yeah, well, it's good to see you. Oh, it's good to see you as well, sir. Rick, I, I, Rick, have seen, yeah. I have seen on Facebook that you've been posting uh, um, all of your different book collections and such. It's always <laughs> yeah. interesting to see what's being added to your collection. Yeah, yeah. There, there's always a new book. <clears throat> well, have you been part of any interesting discussions lately? Um, yeah, yeah, handful. Um, we're we're actually finishing up. Well, no, we finished up last night in my men's discipleship group a book by uh, Tim Keller called uh, The Prodigal God, which is just wonderful. Um, and we spent uh, we spent a good bit of time last night actually looking at uh at the idea of longing for home and, you know, from the, the story of the, uh, the prodigal and how he came to himself and he, he wanted to go home. And so, um, talked a little bit about, you know, our, our longing for, do, do we have a desire to see things made right and to, to be with Christ, to, um, um, to quote unquote go home, and that led to a discussion of of heaven, which leads to a discussion of um, you know new creation, new heaven, new earth. Uh, what what does that mean? We're not some disembodied ethereal floating around, you know, for eternity playing harps. And so that was good. But that was last night. Are you saying I won't be playing a harp in heaven? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm saying the Bible doesn't say that you're even going to spend eternity in heaven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Heaven is a transitional place. You'll be with Jesus. <clears throat> yeah. Um, it, it's, it's one of those things. I, I blame it on, uh, bad funeral preaching and really bad theology and, and old hymns about heaven that has kind of shaped our conception of our, of the eternal state. So what do you think then? We will exist where Jesus is around for a while and then what? Not? Well, no, no, no. So, um, so God, God made man where he, he made man to dwell on the earth, he created this creation specifically for us as image bearers to fill the earth with image bearers to reflect the glory of God in all creation. And um, the the end to which all of um, the Bible points is a new creation, is a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. The meek inherit the what? Sounds like birth, starts with an E. And that um, in this new creation, God fulfills his original purpose with Adam in Christ only better. And so, um, you know, you, you hear 
he got a call. I was going to say Perth. We'll all be living in Australia. So is that what you think as well, Chris? That uh, after a time, or, or we'll just, what, never never go to heaven? We'll just, like, be... What? Well, heaven's not a place. Heaven is just a description of where Christ is. Yeah. So, like, you, you don't, so, like, you don't think we'll necessarily be, like, wherever the the abode of the Father is. You think we'll be, like, just living on this earth um, immediately? Or... At some no, point look, in the distant future, in in the resurrection, in the resurrection, we we are raised to a new creation. And when we look at Revelation, in fact, the the book of Revelation says that the dwelling place of God is with men. The meek inherit all of creation. God restores, re- renews, regenerates all of creation, and we we are we are not a uh, a soul trapped in a body and one day the soul just goes to be with god forever rather we we are a monad we are one being body soul and and any any separation is a is a dysfunction of our creation it's it's not it's not the way that god intends god created this world for man and he will renew this creation in christ um, and fulfill his original purpose with adam in christ only better and so the point is that there is not one verse and and this is a challenge i encourage people to look there is not a single solitary verse in the entire bible that describes the eternal state as heaven in fact what what we find when we begin looking at the topic is that the bible describes heaven and when it does it will say that um that the kingdom or our inheritance or our hope or our um, citizenship or whatever is being prepared, kept, laid up, um, prepared, prepared for us in heaven, in heaven, in heaven, with the future expectation that we will inherit it, that it will be revealed at the last day, that we will be clothed upon, that Jesus will come again, that it will come down from heaven. So the the language of the Bible is that our eternal inheritance, etc., is being kept and preserved by God in his presence to be revealed in the resurrection and the new heaven and the new earth. So when so. Paul says, like, uh, to be absent from body is to be present with the Lord, like, if our end state is going to be on this earth, what you said, does that yeah. mean in the interim, like, since we, we probably won't be present with the Lord here on earth as soon as we die, otherwise that'd freak a lot of people out. So, yeah. like, if we die, we'll be consciously wherever, what, like, the angels and the singing angels and stuff are, and yes. then we'll be returned to earth after all that yeah. stuff takes place? Yeah, so 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 there's two so there's two thoughts about that. One is that what we call what we generally call heaven is really the intermediate state between death and the bodily resurrection. And so, you know, most Christians throughout history, you know, believe that when you die, your 
immaterial self, your soul, or your spirit, or your soul spirit, or wh- whatever you say, that 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 immaterial self of you will spend that time in the presence of God awaiting the resurrection. And that in the resurrection, the soul or the spirit is reunited with the body in the resurrection. And at that point, again, the new heaven, the new earth, the dwelling place of God is with man. The righteous inherit the earth. God fulfills his original purpose. There are There is another line of thought, and which I particularly tend to believe, that um, that the disembodied state is not a one-to-one parallel to the embodied state. And what I mean by that is Polycarp, who was martyred in like the first century or something, right? You know, you got Polycarp. Well, he's been dead from our perspective for nearly 2,000 years. And so the, the way most people view everybody who dies and, quote, goes to heaven, it's almost like there is a literal... Um, soul train, right? You know, we got a literal soul train. And so every millisecond, Christians who are dying throughout all of history are kind of, are showing up in heaven, right? You got the welcome committee. And so one guy's been there for 2000 years. One guy's been there for 1800 years. You know, Spurgeon's been there a couple hundred years. And then you're going to have the guy, the very last Christian to die before Jesus returns, like literally three seconds before Jesus returns. There's going to be some guy in Calcutta who passes away as a believer. He's going to show up in heaven. And the second he gets there, he's like, wow. And then they're like, "Okay, everybody line up. We're leaving. Right. (laughs) And so and so um, what that that view of heaven is one or the intermediate state is one that sees a one-to-one parallel, a one-to-one relationship between the disembodied state and the embodied state or, or, or physical creation. And I tend to believe that, and this is going to sound crazy, I guess, but that when Polycarp dies and when the the person in Calcutta dies, that their experiences that they meet at the same time, they meet at the same place, that there's one, that there's one judgment, that there's one time in which that happens. And it, it's not, it's not, um, it would almost be like you've got a timeline from Adam until the last individual dies. But then on top of it, there's a pyramid and they all meet at the same point right? It's a triangle. They all meet at the same point. And I'm not out on a limb. F.F. Bruce, actually, um, you know, the New Testament scholar F.F. Bruce, he, he says this. He says, the tension created by the postulated interval between death and resurrection might be relieved today if it were suggested that in the consciousness of the departed believer, there is no interval between dissolution and investiture. When he says investiture, he's talking about the resurrection um, and and being clothed upon with immortality. He says, um, if if it were suggested that in the consciousness of the departed believer, there is no interval of time or uh, interval between dissolution and investiture, however long an interval might be measured by the calendar of earthbound human history. 
And so he's literally saying the same thing that um, our perception, grandma's been dead for 50 years. That's our perception in time, but outside of this created space and time, all of the redeemed meet at the same point. And that's, that's what he's arguing for. And I, I tend to believe that. And that's, that's materially different from something like soul sleep, because what you're saying is that time is just not a thing where Jesus is, whereas we are in temporal time. Yeah, yeah, I, I would just say that it functions differently. But what, but there, there is a phenomenological experience of grandma's been dead for 50 years, and so we ask the question, where is grandma? Well, as soon as we say, where is grandma? Where has grandma been for 50 years? We're, we're asking, if that's true, we're asking the same kind of question as who made God or what came before God. Right. We're, we're, we're trying to get at something where it doesn't reflect reality. It's just our perception of of reality. And uh, because I, I, I don't believe that there's a, a soul train dropping people off every millisecond in heaven and that the one guy is going to be there for 2000 years doing whatever he's doing for 2000 years. And then Jim Bob in, in Calcutta is there for four seconds before the second coming. I just don't I just don't believe that. So it wouldn't be where is grandma, it would be when is grandma? <laughs> yes. Yeah, really. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Well, I wish and, you would have, uh, uh, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, you know, but that that's the kind of thing that um, it, it, it's it's definitely speculative, right? But it it helps us to make sense. When Jesus says, today you'll be in paradise with me to the thief on the cross, and it doesn't matter if in in space time if right now but in the perception of him it's it, it's like it's analogous to having a surgery and you count down 10 9 and then all of a sudden you wake up and 6 hours have gone by but in your perception of things you closed your eyes and you opened your eyes immediately and so so i i believe that that's probably more more close to what reality is than that there is a one-to-one correlation and grandma's watching us for you know 2,000 years you know who died you know polycarp kind of thing and so he's just been up there for all that time I just don't I don't think that makes sense to me wow I didn't think we we're gonna get into all that <laughs> What do you think, Nate? Hello, everyone. Oh, sorry. I was I was on mute this whole time. I was going to say, I didn't really think through that before I asked it, but I'm thinking, you know, that, that could throw a wrench in some of the people's plans. But uh, yeah, I, I, Evelyn, I wanted to hear what you have to say before I have to run, but my time is short. And I guess, Brian, are you still on the phone or do you hear me? I see your little icon. Oh, no, I can hear you. Okay. Yeah, I'd love to get into that more, but uh, Evelyn, what's up, Evelyn? Hi, hi. Uh, I'm good, I'm good. Um, guys, I I actually have a, one question that I, uh, I had a discussion with a fellow Christian a few days ago. So um, we, we got into an argument about, uh, the question was, um, is it possible that, uh, like, that if we could 
could we like could we lose our salvation like like when uh when we were discussing when me and my friends were discussing this and then that uh she was a like a charismatic pentacles or something and then she asked me like eva are, are you are you a question are you a christian like probably because i i don't know like i told her like i, I cannot even explain um whether i like i don't have a right or no answer for that the questions could i lose as a christian could we lose our salvation like uh and then that that makes her ask me whether i'm christian or not which is kind of like i don't know i found it insulting i mean uh, i'm not hindu or muslim but i don't know like what what do you guys think um i mean like probably you, you have a more thorough explanation on whether uh, what the answer is when you come into such questions well brian would be here for this <laughs> um so Yeah, I think I'd be a little insulted too if someone questioned your Christianity if you thought you could lose your salvation. But there, there are really two camps. But you can get over the whole discussion because both camps would pronounce someone if they profess Christ, believe in His death, burial, resurrection. If they're a Christian by all the biblical markers, repent, believe the gospel, and they're living like Christ, and their fruits are Christ-like, then we ultimately don't know the heart. But we would say of that person in question. Both crowds, the people who say you can lose your salvation and the people who say you cannot lose your salvation, both groups would say, well, by all the all the information we have to go on, he's that person seems saved. They they profess Christ. They seem to be living right, living like Christ, doing all the biblical things, having fruits of the spirit. So that person seems to be a true saved Christian. So the issue of, well, can they lose their salvation becomes theoretical at that point, because practically speaking, That person is walking the walk and they're walking the talk. And as long as they keep doing that until the day they die, both sides are going to say that person seems saved. If somebody does not exhibit the nature of Christ and is doing everything Christ teaches against, then both camps are also going to agree. Again, we don't know the heart, but if they say, you know, I believe in Christ or whatever, and then they they live a horrible life and are just in all these sins and doing terrible things Christ tells us not to do, then both groups are going to say that person is not uh, is not in a good relationship with God. So some people may say that, you know, they have they have lost their salvation or they have backslidden and they need to repent and be restored to Christ. While the other group, the ones that say you can never lose your salvation, would say it doesn't matter how he's lived before. If he looked like he was saved before, then it was all a scam because if he was truly saved, he would not be living that way now. Therefore, he was never saved. So the I hope I'm being helpful. I feel like I may not be. But the point is to that whole question, you can skip over it and say the bigger issue is to the person who professes Christ and follows Christ and lives like Christ and does what Christ says to do. That person is never going to need to worry if they can lose their salvation um, or if they were ever you know, truly saved or anything like that. That person, based on what the Bible gives us, we would all say that person is is in a right relationship with God. Do you want to uh, respond to that? Uh, actually, she she asked me um, the, the uh, why she asked me whether I'm Christian or not because she 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 asked me first whether like do you believe that you are like you are saved like you you are going if you die today like uh, I don't know like if you're going to heaven and then I I I I answer like 
yeah, I, I think we'll see. I, I prefer not talking about it. I think we'll see by the end of the, when, when I die, like, whether Christ is going to acknowledge me like or not. Like, uh, but then she, 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 you know, she, she was, she asked me if I, you even a Christian or not? Like, so I don't know. Like, I don't know. You know, I'm guessing since I don't know this person that I, I would say from what I'm getting, like, there's gotta be some like dip, like talking past each other and misunderstanding. Um, so like, you know, the, the, the Christian understanding would be like, look, we're not like other religions where you have to kind of guess or hope you do enough to be saved. And, you know, someone will weigh scales at the end of your life and hope you did enough good to outweigh the bad. Like the, the generally accepted Christian position that I believe is correct is Jesus says, look, if you profess faith in him, you repent, you believe the gospel, ask him to forgive you, give you eternal life, make you born again. That he says you must be make you this new creation. And at that moment, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. So it's by faith. But it's not by faith we have to hope we do enough good. It's by faith we trust Christ alone to save us. And at that moment, there's no question of, you know, will I be good enough at the end of this life? Am I really saved? If you're that person that exercises faith that, you know, you believe in the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, profess him as Lord, and you're a disciple of Christ, then you you know. Um, and that's that's like a faith position you know because the Bible says you are saved. Um, so I, I'm thinking they may be thinking you're not a Christian because y you have a different understanding or you're, you're not sure. But as you say it, I would I would think that there it's just like a miscommunication. Mm. Brian, do you have anything to say? Uh, no, I, I, I appreciated that. I've got to run, uh, but it was really good to see y'all and I uh, hope to see you again soon. Brian, I would love it if you can. You would what now? I'm sorry, you broke up. You could come back soon and talk about the uh, implications of the saints and stuff if they're in this time time warp thing. That would be interesting. <laughs> All right, man. I've been watching too much sci-fi, I guess. All right. Hey, y'all have a good <laughs> Take way. care. Bye. Uh, yeah, Evelyn. Um, you want to respond? Uh, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Like, um. It's like I don't know somehow I think uh so so we got we got actually we uh, we got into a discussion where we talk about how about like people who like profess um like repented as uh, and become became a Christian and uh, and later on like um uh became an atheist and then what like could you like do lose your salvation then that that's what we were talking about. Right. But then, uh, uh, so, like, I, 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 I believe that there's, I don't have, like, there's nothing that I could do to earn my salvation. I understand that. But then, when somebody asks, um, uh, uh, if you die today, like, if, if you, do you believe that you're, 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 you're eternally sealed? Like, like, some, I could say that I believe that. Like, uh, but then. I don't know. Is it based on feelings or is it based on like, uh, what if I, today I profess that I actually believe that which and tomorrow I, I did, I somehow, I don't know, like, and then I fell out of faith. Was it possible? Like, which happened to uh, many people. So it's kind of confusing. You, you, I don't know how, how to answer that. Uh, no, it's not based on a feeling. Like I've heard plenty of pastors say, which <laughs> maybe they're bad pastors. No, I get what they're saying, but they've said, look, there, there are days I don't feel saved. Like there, there have been days like something's happened. I've had a bad day, whatever's happened. 
like I don't feel safe, but faith is not a feeling and salvation is not attributed to, you know, a feeling or goosebumps. So no, it's not a feeling. It's a faith based on your reading the word of God that says, if you believe Jesus was you know, crucified, he was raised from the dead and confess Jesus as Lord, you are saved, repent and believe the gospel. So based on like you're, you're taking the Bible at its word. So if you're saying, yes, I believe this Bible is true. And if this Bible is true, it tells me I am saved because I believe in the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, and I profess him as Lord. So you are sealed. You believe the Bible. And it's that faith position. So you see the words on the paper. You're like, yes, this is the word of God. This is true. Therefore, I believe it. And it doesn't matter how you feel. And to the person that you know says they're a Christian and now they're an atheist, again, it goes back to that discussion that you can just completely ignore both sides would say that person is not in a good shape relationally to God. They'd either say that person has fallen away or they've lost their salvation and they need to come back and be saved again or something like that. And the other crowd would say, well, they were never truly saved because if they were truly saved, they wouldn't say they're an atheist now. Um, So it's a philosophical point because there's no practical difference. Like spiritual implications would be there and theological implications, but practically, it doesn't matter if you can lose your salvation or if you were never saved, that person in question, they have problems with God. So w- you can skip that whole issue and not be that person. <laughs> so don't be that person and you're good with both camps because they'll say, well, sure, I guess they could lose their salvation, but I mean, it looks like they're saved right now. And the other camp would say, well, they can't lose their salvation and they are truly saved because look, they're persevering. So you, you can like kind of bypass that entire discussion by being someone who truly professes faith in Christ and follows Christ and does what he says to do. So, uh, but, but, uh, but frankly speaking, um, I don't know, like, um, when, I don't know what, when any, anytime somebody asked, even asked me to, um, uh, ask me a question that, uh, whether, if I like, if I die at this moment, then would I believe that I would go to heaven? Um, sometimes, uh, I don't know, like even in, in, like in my heart, I, I do believe that Christ is Lord, but then there is a part of me that actually believe that, I don't know, like it's, I don't know, like I, I cannot be really, really sure to, as it, it's, it makes, it's, it's as if like, I know that I'm sinful, you know, I, I realize that, but then, and then, I don't know, I cannot ex- exactly explain this to you, but sometimes I found out that so many people believe that they're once saved, and then, I don't know, like, they're, we, 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 we took everything for granted, I mean, sometimes uh, I think that by that kind of belief, and then most of the people that I see, they they continue living even me sometimes i don't know like yeah i guess uh, i think um, i understand what you're saying i mean i can relate to what you're saying um because i think nate already hit this on the head where he said that there are some good pastors out there people that we know have strong faith who say that they don't always feel saved but you know, the relationship that we have with God is a living and breathing one, right? We're not just sitting here reading a dusty document from thousands of years ago. Um, we have, we're engaging daily with a living God. And so 
part of this is that much in the same way that I have unconditional love for my mother, but I'm a flawed person. I mean, so is she. So I'm, I'm making an indirect correlation here, but I have a real living relationship with my mom and I love her and she's flawed and I'm flawed, but some days it's like, I feel like she might love me less or, you know, if she doesn't return my call within 48 hours, I'm like worried or I feel like maybe I did. I do something wrong. Did I upset her? You know, and and I think that in some ways someone could correct me, but I I have to understand my relationship with God the same way because of my flaws as a human, but also the idea that it's a real, true relationship. So, Evelyn, I think that sometimes we fall into the trap of trusting our feelings way, way, way too much. Um, Just like if I feel like my mom might be angry at me and then I talk to her and she's like, oh, no, I wasn't. I had a busy day at work. I'm sorry. How are you doing? You know, and then it's totally fine. But the past 48 hours, I had lived in this place of being super concerned about that relationship. We can do that to God, too, um, where something is going on on our end where we feel disconnected or we feel inadequate or we feel this, that and the other thing. And then we begin to have concern over it, where on God's end, there isn't anything like that at all. Um, So I think maybe it would help you to recognize your own um, your own tendency to have feelings equal reality. Um, because human feelings do not equal reality. <laughs> they kind of hardly ever cool. do. Um, so, yeah, so go ahead. Anytime, anytime somebody asks me if I like if I die at this moment and today, and then the, that I should always answer that I'm I believe that I will go to heaven despite yeah. everything. So I don't believe once saved, always saved, right? I believe you can lose your salvation. But anytime anyone has ever asked me that question, my answer is yes. I am fully confident that if I were to die, I would go to heaven today. Why do I believe that? Because what the what the Bible says is true, right? I have faith. I have faith in Christ. I have repented and I continue to believe. And so this this is something that because God said it and because I did it, I have faith in my own salvation. Now, there are times where someone asks me that question. I say, yeah, I would totally go to heaven if I died today. And then I'm like, well, you know, I'm a person. I have 97 thoughts going on at one time. So the thought is there like, well, what if I'm wrong? What if I wouldn't, right? I don't need to focus in on that thought. I, I, I know what the Bible says is true. And so I can be assured of my salvation, even if on a Tuesday morning, I don't really feel like it. Does that make sense? Um, well, um... I guess. And, and I mean, just, I mean, if, if the Bible is true at all, then the Bible is true. So if, right. you know, like I keep, like whenever I was kind of thinking like this in, in the past, because I, I think I have been where you are. I may be again at some point, who knows? Um, I don't have wood, it's a plastic table, hope that counts. But, um, you know, there are certain things that I finally thought, you know, if the Bible is true, then the Bible is true. And what is true about the Bible is it says, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved and no one who puts their trust in the Lord will be put to shame. So there's plenty of verses like this that, you know, it's not like God is making it difficult. God is making it as easy as accepting, like have faith. So whenever I I came across these verses, I'm like, you know what? If this is, if the Bible is true, then this is also true. And it says all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I'm like, well, am I calling on the name of the Lord? Am I trusting in the Lord? Yes, I am. Therefore, if the Bible is true, I am saved. If I ever get to a point where I'm like, no, I'm not calling on the name of the Lord. Um, well, then I guess I'm not doing that. But I'm like, well, yes, I'm calling on the name of the Lord. So if the Bible is true, the Bible is true. And no one who trusts in the Lord uh, will be put to shame. So 
I'm trusting in the Lord. Therefore, if the Bible is true, then I'm good because I trust in God. Um, so, the, I mean, there's all these verses that I finally thought, you know what? I have to stop spinning my head around because, you know, I'm like, uh, believe it or not, I've not always been the the most um, amazing Jesus follower. I, I've done plenty of other stuff. Um, you know, whatever. I haven't always lived the best Christian life. So I think, well, you know, am I am I good now? Am I bad then? Am I really saved? Am I that? And then I finally, like, I'm like, well, what am I doing? I'm like, it's not me. Like, it's not my actions. It's Christ and what he did. So, you know, it's like it's like that um video. Well, what was it? It's like a video voice thing. And it's like people, religion says do, Jesus has done. So I'm like, it's about what he did and it's already done. It's already finished. So it's, there's nothing I can do to mess that up. It's like, am I going to be someone that has faith in Christ and puts my trust in him and calls on his name alone for salvation? Or am I not? There's really no middle ground. So ever since then, I'm like, you know what? I'm someone who is calling in the name of the Lord. I have my trust in him to save me. Therefore, if the Bible says it, I believe it. If the Bible is true, I'm good. And of course, I believe the Bible is true. So what, what do you think if I, I answer it? Um, like, um, I prefer not not answering it. Like, we'll see. How about that? Like, in the end, I, we'll see. Like, by the end of the, when I die, that we'll see if Jesus acknowledged me as his. And then, if you, uh, because if I cannot... Say, well, yeah, if you say it that way, I, I think I think Jesus knows your heart, but Christians are definitely going to give you a hard time about that answer. <laughs> yeah, because you see, like I remember that there's also there's there's also a verse that said, like, no, not everyone who calls Lord Lord will will be you know uh, be, will be will enter heaven, right? I don't know. I forgot the verse. No, that's right. Um, so I don't know, like how how does what does it say about you know, um, so there is still a possibility then. Um, I would uh, not say that. that if if you read that scripture, this is why context matters. If you read the verses around that part where it says not everyone who says Lord Lord will enter heaven, just read mm -hmm. the verses surrounding that. The people it's describing are people that say, Lord, we have done this in your name. We have cast out demons. We have done this. I have done this. They're not appealing to Jesus. They're appealing to their own works. They're appealing to their self, which the Bible says your works are uh, filthy rags. So if if you meet Jesus, you know, if this was a scenario and Jesus said, Evelyn, why should I let you into heaven? And you said uh, anything other than because I called on your name for salvation. I trust you to save me. That's the right answer. Any answer besides that, you've got problems. Because these people, when he says, get away from me, I never knew you, depart to the place like prepared for the devil and his angels. It's because they're appealing to I, I, I. None of them appeal to Jesus. I put my faith in you. Like I can imagine that story going a different way and him saying, enter into the kingdom, good and faithful servant. Well done. So that's really important. And, you know, you don't need me to tell you, just like bring up that scripture and read all the stuff that leads up to that. And they say, we've done this, we've done this versus I call on your name for, for salvation. Lord, have mercy on me, save me. So if you can answer that own question, are you someone that's like, yes, I, I, Evelyn, put my faith in Jesus Christ alone to save me. I'm calling on the name of the Lord for salvation. Or if you're like, well, Jesus, I, you know, I go to church, I do this, I, you know, help at a food pantry, I, I blah, blah, blah. I mean, that would be a problem. 
But if you're like, no, no, the Bible says all who call on the name of the Lord for salvation will be saved. These people weren't doing that. They were using their own names. Mm. I see. So, so, uh, so the the uh, statement uh, once be, once safe will always be safe is wrong. So mm-hmm. it depends no. who you ask. Chris, 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 and Steph, and I'm going to put myself in the middle because <laughs> I can. Uh, Chris and Steph both think different things. Steph thinks you can lose your salvation. Chris thinks you cannot. So depending which Christian you ask, you're going to get a different answer. So it's not about which one is right, because Steph's going to say she's right, and Chris is going to say she's right. he's right. But skip all that. If you're some, like, put this to the test. If, if, everyone, if someone's like, Evelyn, why are you a Christian? And you tell Steph and Chris, I'm a Christian because Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He rose from the dead. I profess him as Lord. He made me born again. He gave me eternal life. I've repented. I believe the gospel. I call on the name of Jesus for my salvation. Uh, then you'll say, what do you think about this, Steph and Chris? And they'll both say, yeah, that's exactly what the Bible says. We believe you're saved. Again, only God knows the heart, but taking you at your word, then they will both say that. And then if you turn into an atheist you know, down the road, Steph would say, you've backslidden, you need to repent, you need to return to God and perhaps be resaved. And Chris would say, well, that time you said you were saved, you were actually never saved. Otherwise, you'd never would have became an atheist. Um, so it's, it's about the end result. Like, I, I think you're focusing on the middle ground. Like, can you lose your salvation versus can, uh, can you not lose your salvation? Are you always saved? That's the middle ground. Like, skip over that whole hurdle to the end where it's like, are you saved? Like, practically, are you living for Jesus? Are you trusting in him alone? Does your life line up with him? That's it. So just skip the whole middle ground. Consider the middle ground like quicksand. Yeah, because Evelyn, it sounds like um, you're concerned, like you have two concerns with this topic. So one is that you might be worried that it's possible for you personally to lose your salvation. And the other is that you were confronted by another believer on the way you handled this question. Because I could not answer directly whether like yeah. if today I'm going to die and then uh, and then I will go to heaven or not. And then somebody like a, a fellow uh, Christian actually had to ask me whether I'm even a Christian or not like I don't know like well I can see why they would now that you've given more context I think yeah Evelyn have you fully put your faith in Christ as your only source of salvation I think yes like how like how old were you how recently was this did you do you have a moment in your mind that you had this realization or you know what did that look like for you you can be as vague as you want. I don't mean to pry. Uh, what do you mean? Like, I, I was, I was born as a Christian, and then, I don't know, like, um, uh, so like when you were a I kid, was there like a friend or an aunt or like, was there someone who prayed with you, explained the gospel to you? Do you have a moment in your mind that you remember? Actually, you know? um, before I, I kind of believe like those. Ha- uh, believe uh, charismatics of Pentecost work for faith believe and then uh, I got sick and then it was for quite a long time and then I, I prayed to God to ask and ask him uh, to show who he really is and then I almost became an atheist or probably I was I don't know and then uh, I came to this uh, reform teaching uh, stuff from like John MacArthur's and uh, Charles Spurgeon's mm-hmm. and Jonathan Edwards and uh, their stuff and then 
I I I started learning about uh, what Christianity is, but I haven't got into the uh, the uh, like the topic of uh, I don't know like uh, elect election or, or what, well, what's we're the going term a little too far. Yeah, I got you. Hey, I can you say one more thing real asking. fast, Evelyn, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go and I'm, I'll let you talk to Seth, but one more thing that could be helpful, because, again, I, I probably everyone, Steph too, has talked about this a, a lot, or ha has been in your shoes a lot, and, uh, you know, one of the things, like, when people are like, well, how do you know you're saved? Because you can't really know, right? You can't prove it. And I'm like, well, by faith, I believe. And they're like, well, what does that really mean? I'm like, much like the martyrs, I guess, to the point of death. So if you want to hold a gun to my head and say, if I kill you, are you going to go to heaven? I believe that. Pull the stupid trigger. Um, anyway, so I don't know if, if that helps, but it's like if you want to equate something, because I can't, I don't have a token that says, like, here's a token or here's a golden ticket Jesus gave me that says I'm going to heaven signed with his blood. I don't have one of those, but it's by faith. So if someone wants to know how strong this faith is, it's like, well, I, I guess you got to put a gun to my head. And if you want to be that person, then mm. that that's how much I believe it. So I believe it. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, at that point, I think someone should be taken seriously. But I'll leave you with Steph. I really have to run. I, I appreciate you showing up, and I'll be thank back you, here tomorrow. Thank but... you so much, Nate, for explaining. Um, <laughs> if you put it that way, I I understand it. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. 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 Hi, Steve. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and, hold and on. Nate... So wait a minute, uh, Evelyn. Did you do you feel like that answered your question? What Nate just said. I mean, do you where do you stand on that? Yeah, I believe that that's that's how much faith. Uh, I don't know how to explain it in English, but uh, that's that's how much faith is needed. I mean, like it's talking about life or that kind of faith. So 